What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Extraordinary Games Podcast. And as always, I am your host, Dave Winchester. And my co-hosts this week are Greg from the previous Darkness Podcast and Logan from the previous Super Smash Brothers Podcast. And today we'll be talking about the one, the only, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. But first, I want to remind you all that if you like the show, make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. And leave us a review if you like what you hear. Even even if you don't like what you hear, let us know what you think. If you want to get in contact with us or me in particular, make sure you comment on the YouTube videos. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Or find me on Twitter. The link is in the description below. And if you really want to support the, the podcast and everything else we do, we do have a Patreon. That link is also in the podcast description. But before we get into this epically long podcast because i think it clocks in at around three hours i just want to let you know what i'm up to currently so right now i just received my copy of the prince of persia trilogy on the playstation 3 and i'm really looking forward to revisiting the first game in it and even taking a look at the two that come after because i'm a huge prince of persia fan and i think those games are wonderful it's a real shame that we haven't gotten any new prince of persia stuff lately but i assume it's just because they pretty much rolled the same gameplay formula directly into Assassin's Creed. So that's why I've been playing. Well, that's what I'm going to be playing, I should say, within the next couple of weeks. And hopefully I can do a podcast for that once I finish at least the first game, because I think the first game is something really special. I have really fond memories of that. Uh, I've been playing a couple classic games, just stuff here and there, nothing too crazy. Been working my way through Legend of Dragoon, and I've been doing a lot of... Uh, youtube searching on some of the final fantasy games that i haven't played and i might go back and and just visit some of the ones that i've missed which are honestly are some of the best ones in the series i just didn't get into final fantasy until final fantasy 7 so the games post final fantasy 7 i'm really 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 fond of and i have probably played most of them at least once but anything before final fantasy 7 i haven't done much of so hopefully i get a chance to go and and play some of those uh after that hopefully i'll be playing god of war ragnarok because i'm dying to play that game but i also want to get through some of what i'm already working on before i jump into it and uh so far that's that's really all i've been doing this year that and working on the podcast and hunkering down trying to do as much work as i can to make this show great and i hope you folks appreciate it but right now, we're going to get into the discussion. You're going to get some good old Skyrim music, and then when we come back, we're going to have a very long talk about one of my favorite games ever. Enjoy.
Okay, so today we're going to be uh, talking some Skyrim. And this is actually the first, like, three-person podcast that we're doing. So it's my myself. Uh, we have Logan, who you'll remember from the Smash Brothers podcast. The, the amateur and, Smash uh, Brothers player. Yeah. And then uh, we have my boy Greg, who was on the, the Darkness podcast. So um, it's it's quite the quite the group here. And we're we're talking, God, man, this this fucking game. I love this game so much. The game that um, won't fucking die. It will not Wrong. die, and it's had a thousand reissues, if not more, yeah, at this gonna, point. It's gonna have even more. The more graphics get better, the more we're gonna have more Skyrim. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what's funny too? I was at work today, and I was talking to uh, uh, my boy Harrison, who just joined the Discord like today. Finally, he was the one that literally like talked me into doing the podcast in the first place he thought it was an awesome idea and oh, cool. we're stocking shelves and he's like dude so uh so what are you guys gonna talk about when it comes to skyrim I'm like anything and then we just started going back and forth with fucking stories for like 20 minutes and then this girl mac behind us goes oh you guys talking skyrim uh skyrim's like my favorite like I love the Dark Brotherhood quest line. So <laughs> another like 30 time. minutes of just talking Skyrim <laughs> at work. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so ready for this podcast. That's all I ever hear from my girlfriend is the Dark Brotherhood quest line. She got so mad at me because when I played through it, uh, so you know how it triggers, right? The Dark Brotherhood quest line. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's like you and you, you have to make a choice between three people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so good. Inside the shack. So when I get there, every single time she says, "You can't leave the shack till you kill someone." So I turn around, I just kill Astrid, and I let everyone go, and I leave. But then it cuts me <laughs> off from the entire Dark Brotherhood quest line, and she gets so pissed because it's her favorite thing in the entire game. She's like, "Why do you oh do that?" God. I just do it because she tells me not to. It's funny. Uh, do you do <laughs> the follow up that they tell you about, where you can actually just wipe out the whole brotherhood? Yes, yes. I went to the cape. That was an accident. I did that on accident. Actually, I didn't even know that they had a base. I thought that it would just be like locked off to me because I killed it, right? And like, uh, it's that area. Um, what's that area? The town that it's right next to. What's the name of that town? It's like uh, in the it? bottom right hand corner of the map. Uh, it's behind the mountain. Talk about fuck. Oh man, I can't remember the name of the town, but there's a bottom, little. Bottom right is Riften, I think. No, no, no. There's a one. So that's Riften, but then there's another one down below. Isn't it Farkarth? Is that it? Or no, Falkreath? Fal Falkreath? I think you're thinking uh, of Falkreath. Let me look up the name. Actually, double check because I don't want to get. <laughs> it's really. But the the in that around that town though, uh, there's a cave just below it in the forest because there's like some sort of quest to find a dog. There's all kinds of stuff going on in that town. I was looking <laughs> for the dog. I was trying to find this damn dog for this guy, and I come across you know uh, the the door. And I, like, get through the door, and I just started wiping everyone out in this tunnel. The next thing I know, like, I, like, looked around, and I was like, this is a weird place for a bandit camp. And I realized <laughs> they were all Dark Brother assassins. And there was a pet spider and everything. I was like, damn, okay, I guess I did miss out on a lot. And then I sent her, like, <laughs> pictures of, like, me just clearing out the camp. She was like, god. oh, my gosh. It was so funny. So this is this is the reason I wanted to do Skyrim so bad. Like, I... I 
I know, I know people want to avoid Skyrim because it's so fucking big. Like, it's one of those games that, like, once you start talking about it, it's, it's, there's so much to cover. Uh, but everybody, like, if you talk to anybody about Skyrim, they all have these, like, crazy ass stories about the shit that they did in the game or, like, the first time they played the game. And, Everybody has like it's not even just like a stupid story. It's always like they'll go in depth and what was happening and why they were there in the first place and they know everything. It's like they lived it. So that's why I find it so fun to fucking talk about. And at work the same thing was happening. Where like my boy Harrison was like, Yeah, you know, I started this one quest and this motherfucker comes up and he's just talking about how I need to kill somebody for him. And I'm like, just do it yourself. And then he goes and tries to kill his giant and just gets like punted into the fucking moon. <laughs> I was like, yes, it's shit like that. That makes it so fucking fun to talk about. Uh, oh, but it was, it was okay. called Falkreath Hold. That's what it was. Falkreath Hold. Falkreath Hold. Yeah. Huh. So before we get into the crazy shit, I got to ask because I, I know what was going on in my life when this game came out back in fucking 2011 that makes this game over a decade old now um so what was i'll ask uh greg first what was your first experience playing skyrim so oh man actually i've got a pretty good one so i remember being you know super amped up for skyrim we get excited because oh my god oblivion was probably my most played game on the xbox 360 so I was all in. I was ready for this. And I remember, you know, all excited. Me and the boys were all amped up. We're all talking about, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, I'm going to be a wizard. Oh, I'm going to do, like, the, the sneaky archer. You know, uh, I want to try dual wielding because, like, dual wielding is the new feature and all that. And I distinctly remember, I think it was a couple of weeks before the game came out, I had a good friend who uh, his Xbox was modded. So, like, you could just, like, pirate games and play them on the console mm. and Skyrim got leaked. And I remember him that's, being like, that's dirty. Yeah. And I remember him being like, dude, I got Skyrim. You got to come over. And I distinctly remember me and like two other friends all going to his place, all crowded in his tiny ass room. Fucking. We're just all taking turns, like going through like the tutorial and Helgen. And just, like, messing around with stuff. And I remember, like, dual-wielding the fire spell for the first time. And, like, oh, my God, this is the sickest thing ever. And, yeah, I, I just... My first experience was getting a sneak peek early because one of my friends was a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. It sounds uh, like a really fun time, to be honest. Even if you got it, you know, early, why not? Like, it, you know... Oh, dude, I would have done the same thing. Right. What are you talking about? Like, exactly. I didn't see anything else beyond Helgen like the tutorial, but I just, you know, like that was even more hype than I had already had because it was like, Oh my God, this is as good as I think it's going to be. And it's going to be out in two weeks. Holy shit. Like I'm yeah. so ready for this. Yeah. So, uh, Logan, what was your first experience with, with Skyrim? Oh man. Uh, when, okay. When, when I first found out about Skyrim, uh, I don't know if I was uh, around during the first initial release, but I do remember, you know, it's released so many times. That when I was younger, <laughs> it probably was like the second time it released or something. I don't even remember. But I remember seeing, actually, one late night 
at my grandmother's house. Uh, we were watching TV. Uh, I don't remember what channel it was, but this ad came on and it was talking about the, like the new game Skyrim. And it was showing like, you know, the typical ad where you see the guy and he's like all dressed up in armor, climbs up the, the side of the cliff and then a dragon comes out of nowhere and he's fighting it. I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I thought that's how the game was going to look. And so in my mind, you know, being a kid, even playing the game, even though it doesn't look exactly like that, it felt like that. And uh, me and my brother shared a console at the time. So when we bought it, uh, he was the one who actually bought it first. And then we just shared the game. Um, and we'd alternate back and forth on who got to play when and all this stuff. And you know how it is with siblings where it's like one person can't get too far ahead of the other and blah, blah. It was, it was pretty funny because... Uh, I remember he was doing the main scenario quest line, trying to get as far ahead in the game as possible. And I would just wander around and like stumble across like all kinds of crazy things. I would tell him about it. He's like, what? He's like, what? where'd you find that? I didn't see that. Like there were so <laughs> many things. I remember I did the companions whole quest line before I even started the game. I love that quest line. I did the, um, I did the one in Markarth with like, the the Daedric prince that haunts that house that was that was terrifying to me as a kid but it was so cool he, like he like locks you in there um but yeah like I actually never got to beat it when I was younger um because me I would just watch my brother play and then once I saw him finish the game uh we just moved on to like you know another game at the time and then like years later you know I got reminded about it I was like you know what it's on sale I'll buy it and and that's kind of where it all started to be honest. Yeah, it's it, this game has had like several releases yeah. that were kind of like big because you, you had the what was it? You had the original launches on Xbox 360, PC, PS3. Then you had uh, the not the anniversary. It was like the special edition, which came out on Xbox One and PS4. After that, which allowed you to mod, which was insane to me. That was like when they, when they said like mods were a thing in a console game. I was like, Are you, you got to be fucking kidding me! Like, there's no way, and they actually worked. Which kind of blew my mind, and then you just oh, yeah. had the it most recent well. one. Yeah, that was the thing too. It was like it was one of those things where I was like, "Do you really need to buy the the game again?" And then you realize, "Oh shit, you can actually like the PC players are getting shit, and you can now get that shit." Like, insane, insane, and the amount of content that that like put into such a a game that I probably hadn't played in the better part of like six or seven years. It was like a new game again. Not only because of the updated graphics and stuff, but like the mods. The mods made that game. The graphics were secondary by that point. Like you can only make Skyrim look so good, but having Skyrim with mods and extra shit was like a whole new ball game. It changed and I, the I, entire feel. It's like oh my, the amount of options you have at that point is like mind blowing. You can make anything, anything at that point. Yeah, and the coolest thing is it was, it was pretty much plug and play. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like you had to go through all these hoops to get these mods to work on your Xbox or your PS4. It was like you you clicked, you you searched what you were like you heard about, like if you heard the name of the mod or something like that, you just searched it and then installed it and you could turn it on and off. And it's insane to me that nowadays the games that are modded all the time on PC, they don't have the console option to do that. When right now consoles are are pretty much PCs. Like, if you look at what the consoles are doing and the power that they have, they're pretty much PCs. It would be super fucking easy. But Skyrim's the only real game that did that, which is cool. Um, 
but I remember when the initial launch came out, like the 360 and PS3 one, because I was working at uh, I was working at Sears and I think Fye at the time, because I was, was kind of had two jobs I was juggling, and it came out and I uh, at the the week it came out, I went to the midnight release at the the GameStop I right by my house I bought the game, I got home and in a weird turn of luck or maybe I don't know if you would call it luck because I ended up coming down with strep throat for yeah for like two weeks and it was awful but at the same time it was fucking great because this game came out and at this I want to say around the same time Arkham City came out and I was just like oh this is this is wonderful. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm sick. I can stay home and play Skyrim all day and I can play fucking Arkham all day. I'm good. I, I'm totally content. And I pretty much, I pretty much blew through the main story in the course of like that, like the first like week of the game. And, uh, then ended up going back and doing the dark brotherhood quest line, the companion quest line and the fucking thieves guild quest line. And, (laughs) For anybody who's played the game that's done the Thieves Guild quest line, God bless you, because fucking hell, that quest line is garbage. If there's one thing I can complain about, is the fucking Thieves Guild quest line. Wow. That's a hot take and a half. Oh my god. Hey, I've heard a lot of people like that one. Oh my, there's a... Maybe it's because I remember there's a point in the quest line where, for some reason, like you, you get kind of to the end of it, and it's just like, you can just go steal all these things, and they just keep giving you fucking quests where it's like, steal this fucking necklace and then steal this ring and then steal this necklace and then steal this book like the series of side quests where you basically get all the unique loots that like decorates the headquarters yeah yeah it's so like i was fine with it up until then i was like this is fucking stupid and i i i did it all and i was like i've never felt like i've wasted more time in my life than doing those fucking quests but don't you get like the skeleton key from all that well, you get the skeleton for a bit, but the big thing is you get the Nightingale set, and that set yeah. is sick. Oh, it is that is like some of the sexiest armor, dude. Batman, will, it, you'll it's, see it. It's medieval fantasy Batman. It's the sickest thing. It, it's so good, but that that's the fucking those stupid quests where it's like you have to steal the dumbest shit, and it just seems like it never ends. Like I remember doing like the fifth or sixth one. And I'm like, when will this end? This is not fun this is borderline making skyrim not fun and i don't know how that's possible i mean when you have a quest line that you don't really like there's literally so many options you can just wander off and do whatever you want and like yeah you'll, you're bound to find something amazing to be honest like it's just this most ridiculous adventure yeah and now okay so this is the question i've, I've been asking everybody that i've come in contact with at work like because i i've been i'm kind of like talking about the podcast for the past uh like couple days <laughs> and i i wanted to to get like a gist of if it was a good question to ask what was the moment like when you started playing skyrim where you were like this game is something unique that i'll probably never experience in another game again um so i'm gonna i'm gonna have logan answer this first because i'm curious damn that's a that's a crazy question. I don't know. Um, what game? Like, what what happened in the game? Like, what experience? Yeah, you had that yeah. Made you think it was the greatest. 
I wouldn't say the greatest, but like there's a there was a moment. So I'll I'll actually go first. Yeah. And just just as an example, so there was a moment where um, it's in the beginning of the game. You know when you're first climbing the the mountain. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of annoying. You have to fight oh those my. like annoying bat enemies and shit like that. Yep. It it's it's kind of frustrating, but like you look out over, you get to the top of the mountain, you look out over the mountain, and it's like you have this beautiful skybox with this amazing lighting and you can just see for fucking miles and you're like at the cloud line. I like, I saw that and I was like, that's it. Like games are not going to get better than this. This is fucking amazing. Like this is the most immersive thing that I've ever had in front of me. And from like that point on, I still haven't had that experience where like I've gone, I've been playing a game and I've done something like gotten to a point where I like look out over a mountain or something and just been like, holy shit, like this is as good as it gets. But that moment that that happened was like, it blew my mind even more so than when I first fought the dragon. Like the first dragon fight was cool, but like getting to the top of the mountain and seeing like the entirety of Skyrim with like this beautiful, like gorgeous sun just like beaming over it and just blew my mind and uh, okay I, I'm, I know it's not about skyrim but like that experience i think the time when i experienced that was definitely in like the you know elden ring when you see that entire world behind the castle i get that oh I, I my god exactly when you mean. first step out man yep. and you just see the urd tree off in the, the distance and all that shit oh I, my god i think that is definitely like what you're trying to describe like i got that feeling from that moment but like i can see where you got it when you hit the top of that mountain that thing you can see can you actually see like everything from up there because i don't remember really taking too much review i thought it was mostly clouds once you got up to like uh the dragon at the top top you know just past, before past the, the dragon oh you mean yeah like- just before the dragon um if you like you there's a point where if you look out you're just below cloud cover yeah um, but high enough to see pretty much all of Skyrim. And it didn't have... So I played Oblivion before this, obviously, because I'm old as fuck. And uh, Oblivion had this issue where if, like, you got... You were trying to look, like, o- out over a distance, like, shit would just lose detail at such a rate where you're like, this is a fucking joke. Like, you would look out and, like, none of the trees would have shadows. And everything would just look like essentially like pixelated fucking like pixelated polygons it was the weirdest effect that they did because the lod's in that game were horrible um where in skyrim though they the art design of the game was like you would look out and it still seemed like you had all that detail even like fucking miles out like shit still had shadows and the mountains were still casting shadows on things and even though the sun wasn't doing like ray tracing, there was still shadows coming from the sun that would kind of like sweep over the land. It was really, really cool. Um, but that was the first time I saw that. But with you saying Elden Ring, I had the same thing. Same thing happened to me in Dark Souls. Yeah. When uh, when you first step out in like an area in Dark Souls, and you're like, holy shit, you can see like. Like, what the fuck that, is that? That happened to me again in Dark Souls 3 when I stepped out right after the... Right after you fight the the uh, Gravelord Wolnir, you know, and you go up those steps and you open that door and you yeah. see all Ooh. of Arnarlon... Is that Arnarlondo? Or is that New Arlondo? No, it's Arnarlondo. Arnarlondo. Okay, then yeah. it was. And, and you just see, like, bro, that, that scene was 
beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. The snow and everything. Like games that do that really do capture it because it makes me feel like the world that I'm in is like a real world. Like it's like not mm-hmm. like obviously you're getting lost in it, like some sort of crazy person, but like being able to feel like you're in the fantasy. Like it's really makes the game experience so much more fun because it's like, damn, yeah. like this this is just a world that I can escape to anytime I want just for like the kick of it. And I and I th- yeah. think I see what you mean. So like, f- but but for me in Skyrim, when I saw that, like when I first had that moment of like, wow, this game's actually kind of crazy. Uh, it actually was a little later in the game, or I don't really know where I was at the main story at the time, because I mostly just did side quests. I just roamed around, did side quests. But there was two moments for me. Um, one was when I went down into the Dwemer area, or the, the you know the, you know like the where the dwarves were supposed to be. And it's like oh, every oh, yeah. time you see that, I'm talking about the big one you know with the mushrooms all over on the ground and there's that scientist here you guys know what i'm talking about like is it is was it the place with like the artificial sun where it's like a, almost like a cavern underneath or are you talking about the other place the, well, uh, because I, there's there's two huge ruins there's one that's like completely underground that has the um yeah and it has the like sun. garden for stuff yeah and it has that like there was like a, this huge space in the center and there was actually a dragon down there in the yeah center. yeah that's the that's place yeah one. yeah <laughs> that one made blew my mind because i came down because you know how all the dungeons are just like you know corridors you think you're going through the dormer dot in mind then you have to open up the gates and then you find spiral staircases i thought it was just going to be like a normal little like you know zigzag pathway underground and i opened up to this massive thing and i was like oh my gosh like this is crazy and then the second time that it made me really think like wow this this they put a lot of work into this game was when I was actually um, there was another quest line that I that I actually liked the most I think or like it's like one of my favorite quests I wouldn't say it's my favorite but it's definitely up there and it was the quest line where you get the the hip bone do you know and you get this you go to like the um, the imperial area right their capital you're thinking of the Shiagorath quest I yeah with the, with the with the um, staff that can like yep. yeah bro yeah. That, <laughs> That quest line was crazy. Walking down the corridor, you think you're like, it's like you get you get sent to this entirely different world, but it's actually all inside this dead guy's head who's being possessed by this demon. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. You know, you're walking through like the mist in like every area just leads you right back to him. It was like a dream. It was amazing. I was like, this game really went above and beyond with like this quest line. I loved it. It was so short. I, I wish they made like a whole entire world of it. But I was like, that was, I think, my favorite one. That my favorite moment in Skyrim at that time. I was like, wow, this game's crazy. Yeah, this game has like is really good at giving you those moments, and it's so weird to think about that. If you think about the time between uh, Oblivion and Skyrim, it wasn't that lo- like we're, we've been waiting like ten years for fucking Elder Scrolls Six. It was only. I, less than six years between Oblivion and Skyrim, and in between that time, they fucking made other games. Like they made Fallout Three in that time. Like it's so weird. It's like, but they came up with all this creative shit and shoved it into this game. It's it's nuts. There are so many storylines that are just like jumbled up in my head that I remember that were so goddamn good, 
And I'm like, I really, really hope when they do Elder Scrolls Six that they put that much effort into the storylines and they don't just fucking half ass it. Like they kind of done with like the Fallout Four shit, but yeah, yeah. All right, all right, Craig, your turn. I gotta know. So, um, so for me, and I'm I'm gonna quote I'm gonna quote the Todd Howard meme, but <laughs> you know I remember just it's no no real particular moment or view or thing. I guess it is a moment now that I say that, but I remember the moment the game just clicked and like todd howard said it just works that's that's <laughs> yeah, kind of the big todd howard <laughs> oh man and for me that moment was when i had kind of like you know kind of getting my feet you know wet kind of figuring out things like you know uh, optimal ways strategies to fight dragons uh oh are we talking about like you know and the game isn't actually broken kind of optimal. <laughs> kind of. So, but I remember, you know, I'm like, oh my God, like, man, like dragons, like, you know, I'm pretty good at, like, I can hit him fast enough, but man, for fire breath and stuff, that messes me up. Wicked. I feel like there's something I can do to like try to nullify that. And so, you know, I'm looking through all the different spells and stuff like that. Cause my first character I, um, I played, I just, I tried to do straight up magic. Uh, which, quick aside, trying to do a mage in vanilla Skyrim, absolutely terrible. It is really? the worst. Magic yeah, is I was actually so talking about that today. And it does I, not scale at all. I've never done a mage before, so like, I was curious to hear. I thought mage is really strong, especially with like... Oh, in like the before they added like some extra stuff. Is that what yeah. in, in vanilla, it's not good. Like we were talking about it at work today where it's like, you, no matter what you did, you had to put in like real fucking work to have a mage that was even functional in battles past like the first like two hours of that game. Yeah. So I remember, you know, fighting a dragon and I'm looking at my spells and I'm looking at like the, like the, you know, the ward spells, you throw up the magic shield. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, this, like, lesser ward, you know, ne- like, negates damage of up to whatever amount was for, like, the basic one. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If Dragon Breath is just a constant stream of low damage, I can just probably straight up block it with this spell. And so Definitely, next time, yeah. <laughs> and so next time I fought a dragon, you know, because they always rear back to do the breath, so I start casting the ward. And wouldn't you know it, the fire breath hits me, it's covering my screen, and I'm not getting hurt. And oh, like that's like straight up D and D shit right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That moment of just like throw the shield up, the fire breath, like it felt like it was just like going all around me, and I'm like, this is it. <laughs> Honestly, that is a pretty dope moment. I'm like, this yeah. is I was like and then it all just kind of fell into place. Like what they were going for with the whole, yep, each hand's an individual thing, and you can wield a sword in one hand, a spell in the other, wield two different spells, you know, or have a shield in your offhand and have a spell in your main hand. Like, that whole system they were going for with mixing and matching your arsenal, that all just kind of fell into place for me in that moment. And I'm like, I think this is brilliant, and no other game since then has really done something that is so simple but also pretty in depth as well yeah i'd have to agree with that it's it's one of those things where it's like if you played oblivion 
you understood what they were trying to do in Oblivion. Like yeah. you understood like what the the world that they were trying to make. Like you're like, okay, we have these physics and the physics make the world feel kind of real because you could pick up objects and like drop them on the ground and toy with them and things like that. And you got what they were doing with the combat system where if you played Morrowind, I know I'm oh, like, I'm God. like hopping around between, oh, between dude, Elder Scrolls games here. You have to, <laughs> no, no, they're, they're all relevant. Yeah. I already know what you're going to say about Morrowind and this might upset a lot of big Elder Scrolls fans, but you know, Morrowind, great setting, great story. Gameplay is the worst. It's so fucking terrible. It's That's it's dog shit. <laughs> I never played Morrowind, yeah. so you know I, I have no idea. Oh, so there's definitely going to be a Morrowind podcast because uh, my buddy Steve, who did the the Capcom versus SK podcast with me, uh, back in the day, like when we were first starting to hang out and play video games, um, I had Morrowind and I had beaten it the previous summer. Like I had destroyed Morrowind in a very significant way, where I I did everything in that fucking game. Um, including the convoluted main quest storyline for that game. And um, when we went back to school in the fall, he's like, dude, can I borrow that that Morrowind game? I'm like, yeah, sure. Borrow it, right? So I, I give him my copy on Xbox. I didn't see that fucking game for like nine months. And I, every week he would come and be like, dude, I did you know the Vivek storyline. I did this. I did that. I did this. And I, we would just keep talking about the game over and over again. And at one point, he was like, I don't know how to beat the game, but I feel like I'm done with it, so you can finally have it back. <laughs> Damn. The storyline to that game, like the end storyline of the game, is so ridiculous that without a guide, I don't know how anybody would figure it out. But he had done literally every other storyline in the fucking game. Like every single quest that could be done outside of the main one up until the very end. The very end of the game involves like going into a fucking volcano and some crazy shit. But um, you don't know how bad combat can be in a video game until you've played Morrowind. It's literally like playing. So I'm sure you've probably at some point in time at least seen like Knights of the Old Republic or played oh, yeah. an MMO yeah. where there's like the damage roll system where it's like. You know, it's essentially rolling a D20 for you every time you attack. Morrowind does that, but doesn't tell you it's doing it. So when you first start playing the game and you're just like fucking swinging at enemies and you're like, I am point blank in this enemy's fucking face. How am I not hitting it? I don't understand how I'm not doing damage. You have to realize that every time you're swinging your sword, it's doing a dice roll. And even though your sword's going directly through them, you you might not hit them. And the st- like you don't know the stats of the enemies. You just know your stats, but you don't know how your stats are going to stack up against like a fucking spider when you fight it, or so on and so forth. Um, so it's a very different game. And then when you step up from Morrowind to Oblivion, Oblivion's combat system is now more like you're definitively hitting something there's less die roll involved you're more active combat um you get the world building where the physics system works and you can do traps and it's way more of an open world with a lot less loading screens like the loading screens are still there but it's only when you go into like big places or like individual houses and things like that but the world never like it didn't feel real like they were going for it. it oddly enough morrowind felt more real than oblivion to me 
But when you got to Skyrim, all of the systems that they seem to be kind of implementing in Oblivion in a janky way seem to click way more definitively. Like the combat system is like refined to the point where you can, when you're fighting people, it's like a dance versus just random swings and hits. And when you're you're interacting with um, people, it's there is. I noticed it the other day when I was playing it, like when you're talking to a specific NPC, sometimes the game won't lock your camera and you're kind of just passively listening and you can walk away from the conversation if you want, but it makes you feel like more of like you're having more of a conversation when you're not locked into that NPC and you're not stuck just sitting there, like watching them talk to you essentially. So all like the little stuff that they tweaked from Oblivion to Skyrim made a huge difference. And it, it just seems like such a, a huge leap between the two games. When all the things were there in Oblivion, they're just way more refined in Skyrim. It makes it makes for a way better game overall. I'd say I'd say to say the word refined in Skyrim with a little bit of a little bit of a <laughs> you know a tilt to it because I, there's definitely some exploitable parts that make the game absolutely and just just well, yeah. that much better, you know. Like, the whole loop with alchemy, smithing, yes, chanting, yes, like you break all that. the numbers, and it's like you have a weapon that does nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine freaking fire damage, but it's a butter knife or some shit. Like anything, <laughs> bro. It's it's absolutely it. It's not broken technically. It's just it's just you know it's it's something you can exploit, which makes the game that yeah. more fun. Because when you do everything in the game that the game says you can do. Finding things that the game doesn't say you can do makes it that much more entertaining. Like, well, the the difference between um, exploitable and broken, yeah, is the difference between Morrowind and Skyrim, because Morrowind is broken. Like, so Skyrim kind of prevents you to an extent from doing a lot of really busted things. Like, it it tries really hard to prevent you from making broken items. If you go back and play Morrowind, it does not. It, it's essentially like anything that could have restricted you from making something really damaging is not in there. Like you can do anything. I'm talking you can make a spell, an AoE spell in Morrowind that can wipe out every NPC in the game. Mm-hmm. And there's oh. nothing stopping you from doing that. Oh my goodness, jeez. Yeah, but yeah so comparatively. To a lesser extent. Pretty much that whole make-your-own-spell system that Morrowind and Oblivion had, that in and of itself was a highly exploitable nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it was a lot of problems with actually playing the game after you make it, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. In, in, uh, in Morrowind, it would just tell you that you cannot complete the main quest if you killed somebody. Like it would let wow. you just keep playing the game. It would be like it wouldn't you can't. It wouldn't be like, hey, you know, you you probably shouldn't have done that. Do you want to reset your save? Well, yeah, you it, get, it a, tells you get a warning There's message a that's like, oh, you severed the threads of fate. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, but, but you could continue to play. There's nothing it, like and, it wouldn't forcefully reset you. <laughs> and you can actually beat the game even if you break the main quest by killing an NPC. Yeah, if you know where to go. If, yeah. you, if you know what you're doing, you can still beat the game. It's just, uh, think of it like um, like having links in a chain. And 
if you break one of the links, like you can still just like grab the other end of the chain and keep going. Like it's just harder to get there because like one NPC that told you where one item is, is dead now, but you could still go get the item if you know where it is, you know? I I actually kind of wish that was in Skyrim. There was a, there was a moment where I wish that would have happened recently. Actually, (laughs) I, I went back to playing Skyrim. I'm playing the anniversary edition on PS5 and, uh, I was just making another save through and I I always don't like cho- choosing a side between the Stormcloaks and the Imperials because I'm like, you know, they're both kind of bad in their own way. And oh. that's the point. That's what makes the storyline yeah. so good, though. And and so uh, this time I was like, oh, I don't want to pick a side. And um, I'm trying to go through the main story. And you know that part where, like, you have to get them both to come to the Greybeard's uh, meeting spot so they can have a treaty so you can figure out how to deal with the dragons, right? And oh, you have to go, yeah. you have to talk to each party, you have to talk to Ulfric, and then you have to go talk to, um, what's his name in the Imperium? I forget his name. Uh, the, General uh, Tullius. Yeah, Tullius. Problem that I had was I accidentally, so I talked to both of them, both of them were recruiting me, obviously. But I talked to Ulfric. I didn't do his recruitment mission, and I just talked to him, right? Then I went to Tullius. Now, Tullius had some sort of an issue where I tried talking to him. Even though the quest marker was over his head, a little white arrow, I tried talking to him for the main scenario quest, and all he kept saying was, um, go clear out that bandit camp. You know, so you can go and join the Imperium. I was like, I don't want to join the Imperium. I want to finish the main scenario quest. I just want you to come talk to Ulfric Stormcloak. That's it. And so uh, he kept on saying the same thing. Like, you know, uh, if you haven't joined, uh, he he said specifically, he was like, go talk to uh, his commander, you know, the, the other lady who is like second in command. He's like, go talk to her if you have any questions about joining. And that's it. He wouldn't give me any other dialogue. So I would have to, so I went to go talk to her and all she would say is just go clear out the bandit camp to join and then come back to me when you finish it. I'm like, fine, I'll go clear out the stupid bandit camp. <laughs> so I go to the bandit camp and I clear it all out. I come back, I talk to her. She's like, oh, you cleared out that bandit camp? Great. Go talk to General Tolius when you want it, when you have a moment. And I'm like, okay, finally, I can speak to Tolius about the main quest of getting him to come to the freaking Greybeards and, you know, going for the peace treaty. And so I talked to Tullius, and the only options that he gives me is, are you joining the Imperium? Yes or no? That's it. <laughs> and I was like, I was so upset. I was so mad. And this is where it gets to that part that I'm talking about. I was like, you know what? This is stupid. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I wonder what happens if I just kill him. And I didn't know. Oh, God. You can't That's how kill, it all You can't kill General Tullius. <laughs> <laughs> So I started attacking him. All the guards came rushing in. I'm just like hammering away at everyone because I'm a, with like my great hammer. I'm just smashing everyone down. I like I've killed like I don't even know how many guards, and they're like dead everywhere. Tolius is there, and his commander's there. And no matter how many times I reduce them to zero HP, they will not die. They just they, they, they go don't to their, they get knocked out. No, they go to their knee, they pant for a minute, and they come back up and they start fighting oh, again. That's what happens. Oh. I thought they got knocked out but you're right yeah they just like they take a knee it was so i was so like annoyed with the game overall i was like how the how are you telling me i can't just say no (laughs) like 
like that was the moment I was like, this this is infuriating. And I just wanted to like just just like wipe out all of the Imperium at that point. And then <laughs> since I was like I was like, whatever, what if I just go join Ulfric, right? I was like, maybe I could just join him because I just don't want to join them because of how much issues they're giving me right now. And I, if I have to join someone, I'll just join the Stormcoats because I don't give a fudge. I'll like whatever, I'll just do anything, but I just don't want to deal with them right now. So I go to Ulfric. And they don't recruit me anymore because I did the starting quest to kill all the bandits in that stupid camp. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So on that save, now I'm part of the Imperials for the moment. That sucks. Oh, so but like, you have to realize there's like, there's only so many branching paths that the game can do yeah. in order to like, to like progress the storyline. So, I mean, I understand that. Yeah. It was just, it was just like, I felt like, my freedom had been taken away from me for a moment. And then uh, I, was, I was reminded that I could, you know, like, obviously I don't stick to them at the end. I can choose whatever I want at the end, right? It doesn't really matter. But it's just, yeah. I wanted to pick. Like, that was pretty much it. I was being stubborn. I wanted to pick. Um, it's not a, a deal breaker, but it was definitely it was definitely a moment that I wish I could kill every NPC that I didn't like in the game. That would have been really fun. Some of them are just locked. You just you, you just can't kill certain NPCs in Skyrim without like hacking the game or something. Well, that's the like the thing. They had to appeal to a larger audience in some way. And if you have something where it's like you kill a main quest character and there's just something that's like you can't continue, you have to reload a save, that would piss a lot of people off. Yeah. So, as a design choice, I understand it, but it definitely breaks immersion. It's oh, like yeah. in um, it's like in Fable where you can't kill kids. I mean, Those you can kids. kill you can kill everyone else in the game, but if it's like if it's a small child, not gonna happen. Can't murder it. It's it's one of those just sometimes shit just breaks immersion. But for the it's for a reasonable cause it's like it does, it does make sense i can see why they would say like no like if it was my game at the time i, I would probably want to do the same thing that and like you know cats and dogs probably for me if, if, I, had pick, <laughs> if I had to pick i'm not gonna lie but well yeah that's that's one of those things where it's like oh god you killed a dog in a video game you're a serial killer now monster <laughs> right there's no redemption for you at that point how dare you kill the digital dog <laughs> have to give him head pads that's it that, that's what they're there for there's nothing else give him a stake and like you know breath of the wild give him some head pads whatever that's what you had to do <laughs> so okay so getting into the storyline stuff since you were talking about the imperials and storm cloaks what did you what did you pick the first time like when you're you completed the game the first time or when you saw the game being played since your your brother played it um who did you pick? Because I ended up going with the the Stormcloaks because Imperials think, to me is like the Empire from fucking yes, Star Wars. So that's yes. not happening. I think everyone picked the Stormcloaks, you know, especially as a kid. Like I don't give a fudge. They're the blue guys, and the other people are the red guys. Blue is good. <laughs> They're just gonna join the blue guys, you know. Like, but um, you know, when you when I got older, I like I replayed it. You know, you know what I'm talking about the the very questionable point of view that the Stormcloaks had was a, a little eye-opening. I was like, wow, I thought these guys were supposed to be nice. <laughs> like, they're they're both nice in their own way, I guess, and that's what... Uh, but yeah, I, I I think everyone picked the Stormcloaks, or at least you know, I did. I think it's I think it's just like a typical, you know, you see the basic colors, and you, you, you it's kind of encouraged because, you know, 
at the at the same time when you start the game, you are literally a prisoner with the Stormcloaks, so you can kind of like get a feel like maybe these are the good guys. And then and then you get a choice to be like either you run off with the guy that you were imprisoned with or you run back to the people that imprisoned you. And it's just kind of like I think most people pick the option of being like, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't want to be with the people that like almost try to chop off my head, you know? <laughs> uh, Greg's like, I went imperial. Right. He's like, <laughs> I don't know, you guys I'm like, oh, I'm the odd one out here. <laughs> Did you actually but, uh, so, you went... Now, so let me let me get some context. Yeah. So at least as far as the start of the game goes, uh my logic was all right, well, if I, it's either I stick with the rebels I get caught up with, giving whoever gets out of this place alive more reason to think I am a rebel. Oh, okay. Or I can get out with the one guy who was regretful about what happened to me. And fingers crossed, we get out together. Maybe he can put a good word in for me that I'm not some criminal. <laughs> I guess that that's a pretty good that's a pretty good argument to be honest. Yeah, that's sound logic. It is logic. I ever heard it. <laughs> so you know, obviously, it never really came into play again. And <laughs> and because unless you do the Civil War, you never see any of those people again. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, they're, they're gone. Well, so I mean, you'll still, you'll still around, you know. So and as far as actually main story goes, all the time I've played Skyrim, never picked a side in the Civil War. Never bothered. Bro, I wish I could have just done that. But if I were to pick a side, it was something I'd kind of come across like uh, more recently when it came to playing Skyrim. Not super recently, but you know, like oh, over the past years. handful of times, I've gone back and fucked around a little bit. Yeah, there's one character you can meet. I don't remember what they are, but I think they're a Nord, and they're a Nord who supports the Empire. And you can be like kind of weird that a Nord native to Skyrim is supporting the Empire. And they give this whole really like kind of impassioned speech about what the Empire represents. But it's the last thing they say that really kind of sticks me on it. And it's... It was, to paraphrase it, they're basically like... Because if you truly worship Talos, this was Talos's empire. And if you're a true Nord, you support his empire. But doesn't the Empire ban worship for Talos? Forced into it. Because oh right, you're right. Because they lost the war. That's right. Yeah, with the against the you know Thalmor. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I thought that was kind of really poignant to me because, yeah, this was Talos's empire, and I don't That's know. That's actually that, pretty it, cool. Yeah, it. I'll have to see if I can find like the clip, and I can share it with you guys after the fact. But yeah, it it was. I was in point, and I was like, "Well, I mean, shit. You you can't argue with that." Yeah, like, that makes yeah, sense, though. Like like yeah, the Thalmor exists, and they ban Talos worship. But you know, aside, and maybe this is a fault of Bethesda for how they wrote it. But at least with dealing with the Empire itself, you never see the Empire going after Talos worshippers. Do they? Mm. Uh, no, they they. they the empire directly like the okay the empire in skyrim themselves like they really you don't really come across it like i don't whole... think so no, no, every no, time no, you come there's... across someone squashing out talos worship it's always some Thalmor agents wasn't there uh a thing that happened wasn't that that whole 
like backstory to Markarth because wasn't Markarth like the big place for like Ulfric? Like that was their main base and everything. And and uh, I, I forget the exact story, but basically, like Markarth was like a pivotal point in the in the start of the mm, war between like Mark. Uh, uh, Prior, I think, to the Civil War happening, Markarth is where Ulfric earned his reputation for driving out the, um, whatever they're called, the... the yeah, the, the Feral Forsworn. The, yeah, the Forsworn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, what I remember... Now, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, from what I remember, uh, because I love the stories there. I, I went through every mission there. It was crazy. But, um, at one point, uh, they mentioned something about how uh, there was Talos worshippers that were in Markarth uh, when they it was something it was some sort of deal with Markarth where like he drove out all those um, all those people and instead he wanted to to worship Talos in Markarth and everything and then the Empire found out. And I don't remember them saying anything about the Falmore coming to, to get rid of them. I remember him specifically saying that the Empire had a giant, like, raid on the city and, like, killed and slaughtered a bunch of Nords and then kicked him out and took control of it. And then they, like, had to retreat down to where he has the new hold now. I, I believe that's how the story goes. I don't know the exact specifics. I, I'll take so your word for it because out time. of all of the cities I've spent <laughs> the least time in, Markarth is actually one of them. I never spent a lot of time there in my really? playthroughs. I thought Markarth was so cool. Oh yeah, it's a sick why. it's a sick city. I just it never I don't know. I never find myself down in that area, so I just never do anything. Like the first but, city or no, it's like the third or fourth. That's around like the, the the one of the first handful of cities I like to visit every time, and I usually but don't leave a city till I finish everything. It really seems like the approach the Empire takes, for the most part, with the worship of Talos is just shut the fuck up and like do it. Don't announce it. <laughs> don't try to make a big thing of it because if you make a big thing of it and you make it public, we're going to be forced by the Thalmor per the treaty we were forced to sign to do something about it. But just worship Talos on your own. Be quiet about it. Don't make a scene. Don't erect the church. You can still worship him. I think there's also a lot of like uh, moments where, like, after you join, you know, Ulfric, or like even the moment oh you meet him, you know, he's talking about like, uh, there's like one line that they always repeat before you join them, or like you pick a side and you you go to like Ulfric Stormcloak's place and. That's uh, the speech he's having with that yes, uh, that yes. free winter guy. That what he's talking about, yeah. how like yeah, for he's all the swords lost and all that. Oh yeah. no, I was I was talking also about the point when he's talking about how they're trying to like uh you know how both sides were trying to get a hold of Whiterun, right? Yeah. And Whiterun wants to play remain neutral, they don't want to pick a side. And so when you go to Tullius, they're talking about constantly harassing him like not like in a violent way, but like harassing him in like like words. Like they they they're like they're like bugging him over and over and over about it. But then when you go to Ulfric, he literally is suggesting you put a sword to him, like just kill him, just straight up, just kill him and just take control, you know. And I find that like you know that kind of does open your eyes onto which side seems a little bit more reasonable, I suppose. Neither side is really correct for what they're doing, that, but like you know, and that's another big reason why I always am more imperial leaning, because at the end of the day, you play through the quest, you know, Jarl Balgruf is a homie. That's true. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so he really is. 
and it really comes down to like you work with the Stormcloaks. It's yeah, we're gonna we're gonna th- literally throw the gauntlet down because fuck Bol- Balgriff and wanting to be neutral. We're making the choice for him, right? Or the he Empire, which power. just basically is like, oh, the Stormcloaks are going to attack Right Run. Well, we might as well defend them. And I don't know. At the end of the day, when it comes down to helping out the guy who is there for the first leg of your journey, it easy for me. I can see that. So, so not to jump in on the the Empire not being uh, dick uh, dicks at all. But I oh, just no, they are. There are some parts. Well, Absolutely well as far as Markarth is concerned, so I was looking into it. So apparently, yeah, the treaty was okay. Like they okayed the worship of Talos, um, but it was like a splinter faction of the Empire that was pissed that they discovered that they allowed the worship of it, and that's kind of what incited the incident. Yeah. So it technically wasn't the the Empire itself. It was another splinter faction outside of like the like the part of the empire that allowed it and they kind of stepped in and was like no fuck you people so i mean overall yeah it's the empire really doesn't fuck with them for the most part yeah like but that doesn't make them any like they're still dicks like i still went stormcloak the first time because Fuck yeah! I was. I, We're gonna jump I off was your with, head. <laughs> you know. Well, hell yeah! I was with Logan on that one. I'm like, fuck, man! Like th- these guys are like just about ready to chop off my head. But with that being said, the game does an excellent job of making it very a very gray area of who you should go for because it does a good job of balancing the ideas of both sides and the writing in the game in particular. Depending on the characters you talk to, do give valid points on why each side is technically correct in what they're doing it's not just Uh, like they're blindly following someone like it's not just like yeah whatever i I guess i'm just part of the imperium just because like no it's you know the people have like family ties in it in some towns i know one of the towns up north i forget the name of it but their entire like legacy was helping out the imperium and they just they refuse to change it because it's like it's like part of their like family heritage even though people are like worried about the threat of like you know, Ulfric and all the Stormcloaks coming in, they're like, we're going to put our foot down and we're, we're not moving because they've never done any wrong by us and stuff like that, you know? like, And why would they? Like, it makes sense. Yeah. It's also crazy to think about, like, think about how much writing had to go into this fucking game to build this goddamn world. I was trying to decipher today how long it must have taken, not only with the... You have to think of all the different dialogue that has to get reco- recorded for each character, but the actual like intertwining lore of what's going on in the world itself of Skyrim and outside of Skyrim, because there's a lot of references to everything going on in in different parts of just the the world itself. Yeah, like and the Khajiits, the Kichi caravan talking about their homeland all the time, and you know how yeah, harsh it, it is. It, there's a whole backstory with like what happened with the like um like the doomer empire or whatever like all the dwarves and stuff and what what occurred there there is lore with um the elves that lived in those cities too they were like the snow elves or something like that that ended up going there there's a whole backstory on that not and that's not even including all the fucking books in different literature you could find on all this shit oh my there's There's so many ones too there's some real funny ones yeah there's so much in this game i actually um Getting ready for the podcast, I, I loaded up a YouTube video. And I, I'm sure, at least I hope, 
most people have heard of like iceberg videos where it's just like different layers of kind of like weird stuff and whether it be literature books games whatever and the amount of stuff that i never thought about that came up in the video and i was like holy shit yeah they they never really explained that or wow i'm I'm sure there's like an idea for that they went over like characters that have appeared in multiple games oh like characters that that old guy the the uh i think i know what you're talking about yeah i've seen that story too i think i watched the video yeah there's like there are characters that actually appear in morrowind oblivion skyrim and even Elder Scrolls Online, which all take place in, in different eras. One of uh, them is the Khajiit, isn't he? And yeah, he's the a Khajiit. trader. He's like, he trades, <laughs> or no, he doesn't trade anything, but he says no, he like just, he weird just, lines he of dialogue. He says random ass shit. Yeah. He's like, I forgot his name, but he's like, I know all. Like, everything is. Yeah, he says but, some weird stuff. It's like super, like, that's not freaking true. And then he just, like, wanders away. Like, but he's in every yeah. single game, and he's always so, relatively the same. It's it's so crazy to think of like how much work went into just building a world. Yes, you can call out Skyrim for being janky as fuck because Skyrim is janky as fuck. It's a Bethesda game. There's weird shit that happens. My first experience, like with the first hour of me playing the game, I walked up to a giant and saw him launch sheep like thousands of feet into the air. Like there's jank there. But with that being said, they did a really good job with the the voice acting and the whole backstory of the world and all the literature in the world with making it feel like a real place and getting you invested in the things that are going on there for the people that actually want to pay attention to that. Like I've talked to people that have no fucking idea what happened in Skyrim's story at all. Like, (laughs) but for the people that want to look, there's just so much fucking depth it's insane and that's not even including like the sub factions and the plots behind the companions guild and the like where did the the dark brotherhood come from and oh and that how was it founded all the daedric princes too don't forget that the lore of all All the the daedric princes that's crazy all the different realms they rule over there's so much let's not even get into chim you guys heard about chim what's that what are you talking about (laughs) so there's the story of like the overall like setting of the Elder Scrolls universe is like meta as fuck in regards to some aspects. And there's essentially this thing it's talked about in Morrowind mainly, I think Um, it's like a thing that Vivek has obtained and it's like this state of being known as uh, Chim C H I M. And uh, to, to kind of like just summarize it, it's, essentially realizing that like it's essentially people in the skyrim universe uh realizing that they are not real people and instead a fictional construct of something essentially realizing the fact that they're an npc in a video game like that's crazy and they are fictional characters essentially yeah yeah and one of two things happens when someone realizes this they either freak out and blip out of existence because they realize they're not real, so they vanish. Mm. Or someone has that realization and says, no, fuck you, I am real. And then they obtain Chim, uh, which if you <laughs> read about what having obtained Chim does, 
it is literally it literally gives whoever obtains it the ability to like manipulate the video game like save load etc they're neo from the matrix essentially pretty much that's what it sounds yeah. like <laughs> and like it's it's just absolutely wild shit and i remember like i heard about it, i'm like this isn't real this is some crazy nonsense and like i looked into it and i'm like these motherfuckers literally made saving and loading a thing that they made it a thing in their like their their setting that's so crazy yeah, it's so it's, weird to think about yeah it says yeah. it says achieve chim it means that you realize that you exist but you're also not real at the same time. It's about like the idea of saying, thinking it says here, it's like the idea of thinking you're an actor in the dream of a God's head. That's like, damn, that's like the belief, I guess. Wait, so you're saying that was, that was in Morrowind. I, I don't think I've, I think I've like heard people mention it, but I don't really know much about where it started. Yeah. There's, um, mm. there's a book called the 36, uh, lessons of Vivek. And it's a book in Morrowind. And it kind of, it talks all about Chim and what people who have obtained it can do. That makes so much sense now. The two beings who are thought to have achieved Chim are Vivek and Talos. Yeah. And Vivek's a god. So <laughs> that makes fucking sense. Like in uh, in Morrowind, um, there's actually a town called Vivek, like a, a city called Vivek. It's re- it's really cool. It's actually a um, it's a lot of like Aztec structure kind of architecture going on yeah. in the in this the city. But you can get up into one of the rooms in the very top of the tower, and Vivek is there, and he's just like a god. But you can kill him. He just he has an absurd amount of health. Like a, a to kill him, it's it you put in fucking work. No matter how like how far you are in the game, it takes a lot to take him down but you can't kill him. But it makes sense because he's technically like they worship him as a god in in the city and he has achieved Chim. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> That's some crazy ass fucking lore though. Like yeah. really crazy ass lore. It's like, and you know, because of what you can do, it's heavily implied that, you know, whoever you are playing as in your game has chim chim because you can save and load and you know if you're on pc manipulate the console like oh now you can do it on console so yeah but it's it's just you know it's it it blows my mind that it's like even a thing the fact that they had this like crazy just like tweaked out idea to just be like yeah video game mechanics are a part of our lore why not i think that's actually this is best developer ideas to be honest <laughs> is to make sure that the real world is also entwined with the world they make yeah it, it's yeah if you go if you deep dive on like the actual like setting of the elder scrolls universe that shit is wild beyond comprehension which is wonderful to me it's yeah. so good god this game is great <laughs> All right, so we've we've deep dive. We did a deep dive into the lore so far. There's um, still a ton of lore to talk about too. That's oh, the there there's still a fucking ton of lore to talk about. It, but for the most part, we we've hit the the pretty much like the the main beats. the The problem with this game is like the main storyline is pretty convoluted. Um, when you break it down, so it you can only talk about it so much before it just like starts to get weird. 
I mean, most of the time you're just hunting down dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's face the facts. The, like, that's a majority of the game is hunting that's, down dragons, which is the, fucking wonderful. The actual main plot of Skyrim is very bare bones. It's pretty much, dragons are back. You can kill dragons. Go deal with the biggest, baddest dragon that there is. That's going to devour yeah. the world, as we know. It, yeah, and you just you, you just kind of follow some story beats. You follow some breadcrumbs, and next thing you know, you're in heaven fighting Alduin. <laughs> and you beat his ass, you consume his soul, and then, oh, that's it. Uh, yep. But then there's that other story with the DLC that ended up being added, right? With the yeah, the, the Dawnguard and the Dragonborn DLCs yeah. each had their own main stories. Why don't we talk mm. about some of the DLC stuff a little bit, too? Because I think that the DLC added like an entire new feel to the world of Skyrim that was just... Um, it was beyond amazing. They gave even more crazy stuff. To be honest, like the the idea for the Dawn Guard was wild to me. So gave... I've actually never played the DLCs for this game. Oh, what man. the fuck? Yo, what? Yeah, never did. No, Holy okay. So shit. Th- there's a reason why it has never happened. Um, so like I said, I played the game when it first came out on 360 in in uh, PS. PS3. I had the 360 version because we all know the fucking PS3 version was god awful for this. Oh, oh yeah, I started um, on bro, chill, chill. D- uh, dude, the, okay, so I don't know if you know this, but the PS3 has this fucking glitch in the game where the more items that are dropped, the more the world fucking breaks. Like it's something to do with how the game's RAM like dictates where items are in the world. And the more items you drop, the more the RAM is taxed, and then it starts forgetting things, and shit starts to get glitchy and weird. So the PS3 version of this game is actually broken. Like, I don't even think there... There might not even be a fix for it today. I know they alleviated some of the issues, but that's besides the point. So I played the game on 360, yeah. and I beat the shit out of it, and then I the DLC came out, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy it and play it. But then I just forgot to. And then when the uh, special editions came out, I bought the special edition and I played through about three quarters of the main story and then something else came out and I never picked it back up again. That's how it happens for every game all the time, bro. It happens. I, I don't yeah. blame you. It happens to me all the time. I'm like, I'm going to beat this game. Oh, another game came out. Damn, that game looks kind of sick. I want to play that beats it forgets so the the funniest part though is the reason i was playing through the special edition is because i wanted to like go through the game to like freshen up and then do the dlc and i spent like 30 hours going through the game and then never played the dlc again oh man but i'm i'm uh, intrigued to hear what you guys think of the dlc if that's the case yeah uh I don't. Do you, do you want so, to start? So, or do you want so to what start? is the okay? So what is each individual DLC? Like, which one came out first, and what were they? For me personally, I actually don't know which one came out first because I got them both at the same time and started well, playing. I mean, yeah, if you were playing it on PS3 too, you actually got the DLCs in like a wrong order. Oh no! Because, I, oh, God. I, I, I didn't get the DLCs on P. I didn't even play any of the DLCs on PS3. I actually oh, so started, you, you oh, just started okay. playing it on the the PS. Oh. Yeah, so I guess I guess it's down to me then yep. who played it all from start to finish. So the first one was Dawn Guard. Okay, I played. Which, I, I I love that one actually. I that Dawn was Guard great. is great. 
I like despite all the crazy shit that gets added with Dragonborn, I yeah. think I like Dawnguard more just as a Same. individual piece. But Dawnguard didn't really add anything new to the game world aside from just a few new, like more minor zones. I don't know, they added that entire like underworld section where you went to like the what was that place called again? It wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like the underworld, but it was like it was kind of like oh the, the soul Cairn. yeah the soul Cairn. yeah that was mind blowing to me. I thought that was freaking amazing. Like, so, so Dawnguard's main thing was uh, vampires are bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as, as lame <laughs> as it for, sounds, except for two, except for two, yeah. that was. <laughs> but basically, it was um, if you have if you own Dawnguard after you hit level ten, uh, vampire attacks will start randomly happening throughout Skyrim. Like you'll just you could walk into a town, some vampires might roll in because you know they'll r- there's the random encounters you can come across while traveling. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and then uh, the the ambient dialogue, rumors, and stuff like that will be like, "Hey, this organization called Dawn Guards recruiting. You should go check it out." So you 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 had to go check it out, and you join the Dawn Guard. You do like one or two quests, and I mean, do you care if I like how? light heavy on spoilers like oh dude you could spoil everything like the, okay. you have to remember like how how long ago did this dlc even come out fuck people well, probably have played it by now <laughs> mainly for your sake because you you do want to play it you know what i mean so i don't know if you're just mainly doing it if you, to do it or you know story whatever reasons i but, have a one year old i am i if i ever get to play this fair. again i'll be very excited that's, <laughs> like, very, that's very true maybe when he's older you can show you can play it with him you know what i mean yeah yeah that's what i'm hoping for that's why i made him he's player two he'll be fine so basically you do a couple of quests and early on um the dawn guard's like hey the vampires are going into this cave and they they found something weird we want to make sure it's nothing bad because vampires are evil so you know you go to the you go to this cave. It's a pretty fun dungeon. Fight some vampires. You solve a you you solve a kind of fancy kind of sliding piece puzzle, and, and then you activate this thing, and this like tomb shoots up out of the ground, and inside of it is a vampire, um, and there's an Elder Scroll on their back. Oh shit! Yeah, and uh, the vampire you find her name's Serana. And, and everyone simps for Serana, all right? They, God, do I? It, it's so true. Never, uh, bro. There's not a single person in the game. That's the sad part. Is like in this DLC, <laughs> is that you know how you want to like you can wear the necklace of Mara, and everyone tries to marry someone in the game can't marry Serana, and people are so oh, yeah. upset about it. It's that's it's it's, <laughs> it's fucked up, and I'll and I'll get into so that funny. talking about it. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. But um, but so you know, you find her, and she's like, oh hey, like weird i'm awake now after god like i think like a thousand years pre-empire at least is how long she's been in this coffin even before that i think she makes some sort of like steam and she's been in there for like forever so you fill her in and she's like so you're like yeah there's a civil war happening between the empire and the stormcloaks and she's like wait what do you mean there's an empire she has no idea who they are yeah so so she's been there for like ever Yeah, yeah yeah So you're like, oh shit, okay. So you get out of this place with her, and she's like, hey, well, you're the first person I've, you know, spoken to. You got me out of the ground. Do you mind bringing me home? 
So you bring her to the ancient vampire castle that's kind of like off in the middle of the fucking it, ocean. It just so happens to be like, you know, right behind the close side yeah. of, of the imperial city state of, of, of uh, what is it, Soul? Uh, Solitude. Solitude. It's just, just right behind the mountain. You know, no one ever noticed it before. It's <laughs> yeah. just sitting there. So then you bring her there, and this is where you're presented with the branching path to do Dawn Guard. You bring Serana back, her dad's in the castle, and he is like, cool, appreciate it. Uh, tell you what, as a token of thanks, I will turn you into a vampire lord. Yep. Ooh. Mm. The thing about the vampire lord is that it's actually really fucking strong. Like, it's like, it it's really strong. So, basically, because vampires were honestly lame in vanilla Skyrim. Yeah, they, they had more negatives than positives for the most part. Shit. Yeah. When Dawnguard came out, they basically amped up vampires and they added the vampire lord form uh, to essentially even the playing field between werewolf and vampire as far as cool gameplay benefits go. That's the mm. part that bugged me is if you go up to them and you're a and you're a werewolf, they actually like talk about how disgusting you are. Oh yeah. Of- <laughs> and every single time I do the companions quest line, because I love just turning into a werewolf and just like just destroying a camp or something. Yeah, and I, it's you know, wicked fun. The first time I go there, I, that's the moment I didn't like him. He's just talking too much shit. I was like, no way. But yeah, go on. But go yeah. on sorry. But yeah, no, no. That was, I mean, I dude, I feel the same way. Fucking werewolf for life. Bro, let's go. You're <laughs> so cool. So, so you have this point where it's either you accept his offer, become a vampire in his service, and you do the Don uh, storyline for the sake of the vampires. Or you tell him no, and he goes, all right, fine. Like, I think you're an idiot for saying no, but I'll give you the courtesy of not killing you where you stand. Yeah, he lets you so he, Yeah, he basically yeets you out of his castle. Hmm. And then you go back to the Dawn Guard and you do the main Dawn Guard quest for them. And aside think- from some slight differences early on, uh, regardless of what happens, uh, Serana, the vampire you found in the cave, daughter of the vampire lord, his name's Harkon. The two of you essentially, whether it's you work for the Dawn Guard and you're stopping Harkon's big evil vampire prophecy plan because vampires are evil. His his whole plan is actually he wants the Elder Scroll that was on her back, and the reason why is because he wants to use it to. Didn't he want to? He either wanted to use it to block out the sun, or he wanted to use it so they weren't affected by the sun, so they could go out during the day. Yeah, pretty much use it to block out the sun, so vampires no longer need to not go out in daylight and can essentially constantly prowl and and roam and just take over all of the world. Yeah. yeah, that sounds nice. That was his. That's his. Sounds dream. like a good place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he specifically it's... loves. He specifically emphasizes on the bloodshed every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's you do the quests siding with the vampires, and your motivation is all right. Like, I I I appreciate wanting the it to be easier for us vampires, but this dude is actually a fucking psychopath, and we need to take him out. <laughs> oh, so you kill him either way. You do. I only. I just. No, I chose enough. not to be a vampire. That's how I. I rolled with it, and that was really sick in its own storyline. Did you? So, did the, you pick the, both? This, you did both of them, right? Uh, played through only on Dawn Guard. Just kind of read about how it happens on the vampire side because, like, oh, yeah. kind of like you, I the vampire lord thing. 
didn't have any interest for me. <laughs> and and I will say, when you join the Dawn Guard, they have so many cool things. Like, there's this. Uh, actually, I want to talk about the battle scene at the end, but like, you can keep going with, wh- with what you were gonna continue with, like with the Dawn Guard and the storyline. I didn't want to really delve too much, like you know, just one, keep things brief, and two, you know, leave it sort of vague for if Dave ever gets around to it. Is that true? But, yeah. You pretty much touch on the storyline is ultimately the same after your initial pick your side and do one or two quests to kind of get you on the path towards the, you know, overall plot. Okay. And it ultimately ends with you, regardless of the side you pick, you defeat, you know, uh, Harkon, big bad evil vampire man. And it's you either take his place as the Dawn Guard, like, uh, you either take his place if you support the vampires and are the, the biggest, baddest vampire there is. Or it's, you have just signed with the Dawn Guard, he's dead, and then, unless you, you know, pursue the remaining side quests for the Dawn Guard, the vampires will just still kind of exist in their castle until you decide to go storm it and wipe them all out. So you end up going all Richter Belmont and just fucking... Yeah. In a Okay, yeah. cool. Or if you're all the right. vampires, you do the opposite, you're at the Dawn Guard base and you take them out. Yeah. But I heard about Both that. sides some... sound super fun, actually, but... It is cool. <laughs> So you get some. The Darn Guard have battle trolls, all right? They do, and hu- and the armored huskies. <laughs> and the armored huskies, those are sick. But um, no, you get some, you get some pretty cool toys. Um, regardless Cross- of the side you pick, crossbow. The, yeah, Wait, crossbow you get, you get for the Dawn Guard is awesome. Do you get that if you're a vampire too, or no? Because I don't think you, you would. You can get the basic crossbow from like you know killing Dawn Guard members because it's usually loot on their. Their, you know, on their bodies. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, you start with the Dawn Guard. You get like the crazy dwarven one that does like a shit ton of damage and all the like the elemental explosive bolts and all that kind of shit. Um, but yeah, you get some really cool rewards depending on the side you pick. The storyline's honestly pretty interesting. Uh, like Logan said, there's like a whole uh, zone you get to go to called the Soul Cairn, uh, and in the so... lore, it's basically. Whenever you can use a soul in a soul gem, it's the purgatory that that soul gets banished to after it's used. Wow. Yeah, like the soul that, cairn. That's a pretty cool lore right there. I'm think, fucking down for that. Think about the soul cairn is that you think that it's the underworld when you go down there, but when you start talking to the spirits that are trapped down there, you begin to realize they were all sucked down there by the three leaders who rule the soul cairn. And yeah. they don't have names, like no one knows who they are, but all they keep saying is that there's three entities that are like, gods and they rule the soul cairn altogether and they trick people into giving their souls into the soul cairn and when you get your soul locked in the soul it's gone it's it's locked there forever there's no way out unless oh is that the area that was like okay so it's essentially ruled by three i want to say they're like ex necromancers or something like that yeah they were like they're like super super powerful necromancers but they're like they've ascended to another they've ascended yeah. yeah And they That's and some fucking dope lore. <laughs> I will say there's 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 two moments in the Soul Cairn that were hilarious to me, and it is because I was playing side by side with my girlfriend when I was doing it. Like we were doing our own playthroughs, and then we would talk about it. And um, so the one that I liked uh, that was really cool is you get a skeleton horse by by going down there and doing some side quests, and it's like 
you know how like you usually have to like you know you have your horse and you always have to have him like around and you have to like whistle and like like in the real skyrim the normal one right you buy yeah. a horse you, it can die and whatnot this one doesn't die you just hold the skeletal head of the horse in your inventory and you can summon him anywhere you want at all times that's fucking amazing it's so cool because then you don't have to buy a freaking horse. That's the one thing I never wanted to do in the game. <laughs> and then the other one um, is there's this thing where... Okay, I don't know if I should tell... You know, you know what I'm trying to talk about with like the dragon, right? Yeah. Should I mention that to him? Or do you think it would be cooler if he just... Uh, I, okay, now I just want to know. So you better mention <laughs> Because I didn't know if it would be the super important part before I started telling the story. But like, if you want to know... <laughs> I love I it. Go. So you know how you're, you know, you're the dragonborn, and whatnot, and everything. There is this dragon that is down in the soul cairn, whose soul got trapped down there by these three dudes or three entities, right? And mm. uh, he's defending all these things because you have to do this story. And once you open up the thing, there's nothing for him to defend anymore. <laughs> like he's just, he just doesn't have anything to do anymore. Like you're, he's just kind of there. He doesn't have to kill you. And so. You go to leave the, the area that was blocked off that he was supposed to be defending and the, the, you know, the, everything was done. And when you leave, he lands on a pillar right outside and starts talking to you. Or you, you have the option of whether or not you want to talk to him. And if you talk to him, he actually gives you a new voice command. And this voice command allows you to summon a freaking dragon in the overworld as you shout. Like, and he comes down and starts helping you attack enemies and all this other shit. It is the most... That's pretty fucking amazing. It's the dopest, like, shout ever. It's so cool. And the funniest thing is when I was playing with my girlfriend, she thought he was going to fight her. So she snuck around him and just kept shooting him, and he died, and she never <laughs> got the voice ever. <laughs> and so I was like, God, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. So now I can summon a giant dragon whenever I want. And it's like that's the most Skyrim thing ever. Uh, it's, Accidentally it's, killing the person that's going to give you a reward for something. And it has to be like one of the coolest things ever, right? Oh, oh and God, it's even better awesome. than like because you get that other dragon you can call from like doing the main story, but yeah. it's better than him it is. because unlike that guy where it's like you need to be outdoors, it's like summoning a normal minion. So if there's enough room for this thing to show up, you can summon it indoors in yeah. a big enough Nordic ruin. It doesn't matter. It'll crazy. help you That's out. crazy. And the reason is because he's like, ah, I've been down here so long, I just want to feel the outside world on my body again. And they're like, <laughs> just summon sad wherever you want. Yeah, it's really sad, honestly. I feel bad for him. So, you know, every single time, like, one random tiny little bandit comes up to rob me, you know, I got to summon the dragon. I gotta let him know. <laughs> I gotta let him know who's messing with. All right. <laughs> but yeah, and then right. that's that's pretty much Dawnguard. All kind of spark notes. The other ones, they're not as in depth. Um, basically, next one was Hearthfire. Uh, it added three properties, unlike the ones that already exist in the game. They're blank slates. You can actually build the house and customize it. So I actually did that because I, I actually like I, I remember building. That was the one DLC I want to say that I played on the 360 after the fact. I don't know why that was the only one I remember doing, but I'm pretty sure it's because I was like, "Sweet, I get to build my own fucking house." But that, yeah, I, I remember that one. I actually have not done that yet. I bought Breeze home, and I was like, "Fudge it, I don't need another home." 
<laughs> He's gonna shove it's all my junk like every place. Right? Yeah, just just shove all my yeah. junk in this one place and then forget about it. That was my goal. Uh, it, it it was ten minutes of entertainment for me. Easily easily a solid ten. That was about it. I kind of wanted to build my own home though, but I've never gotten around to it. I thought I thought it'd be a cool thing maybe to go back and try. It's just it's just something I mean, that never really occurred to me. I was like, eh. You could do the mage quest and get the mage tower, or you could just fucking buy one anyways. It's not that, like, eh, eh, you know. You know, and then, then there was, last but not least, Dragonborn. Um, yep. Story's honestly not as interesting to me. Oh, there was another Dragonborn before you. Apparently the first one. He's an asshole. He Go deal with him. Mm-hmm. And that, that map is so yeah. big and so, so nice. For you, Dave, if there's any of them you go and do, this is probably the one I'd recommend. Because you go back to uh, Solstheim in Ravenrock from the Blood Moon expansion in Morrowind. Yep. Oh, no way. Yeah, it, I it, yes. love you those have, places. You have to take an entire ship. It's not even connected to the main map. It's like its own entire own. Like, yeah, it, it's super fucking far away. That's why. Yeah. Like, in, in the actual, like, I don't know if you've ever seen a map of, uh, God, I don't even know what the fucking world is name is. Um, I, ha- I haven't, uh, or I, I might have, but I don't remember. But in uh, in Morrowind, it's the main island. I think it's like Vardenfell or something like that. And Solstheim is like just north of that area. And you can either take a ship there, or if you have about forty five minutes to blow, you can actually have your character swim over mm-hmm. to the fucking island oh because God. it's that close. But it takes forever. And I don't know why they did that, but it I actually have swam to the island because I wanted to know how far away it was. I mean, you know, it, it, I guess it just makes the world more freedom. You know, if you really want to torture it, it yourself, does, we go ahead. It does kind of make it feel more connected because yeah. it's like, yeah, you could take a ship or you could just swim there. But the fact that somebody had to, like, fucking make this huge-ass map all the way over there kind of makes you feel sad. But, yeah. You can you can continue talking to talk about it, yeah, um, so but I know I think, what you're talking about. Yeah, you'll really like that. There's some NPCs, some callback loop, like it, it's it's there for the Morrowind fans. It's pretty, it's pretty I think, amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, aside from like Soulslime and Ravenrock, uh, a lot of your time is spent in the uh, like the realm of oblivion of Hermaeus Mora, the weird like Cthulhu esque Daedric prince. Mm. I remember uh, you, that guy. Yeah, you get some. As far as like uh, powers go, you get some pretty crazy shouts. Um, mainly two of them. Uh, one is called Bend Will, and it's essentially various tiers of mind control. And if you use all three words, you can use it on dragons, and it forces them to land, and you can actually fly them. Oh, that's pretty dope. It's not complete free movement of flying like the dragon still kind of moves on its own while you're on its back but you can like have it breathe fire and attack things while you're riding on it oh okay it's, it's almost kind of like a, like a part section or like manning like an ac-130 in call of duty it's like that it moves on its own but you can have it attack things while you're on it i just imagine it to be panzer dragoon can i, can uh, I do if that only if only it was <laughs> as cool as panzer dragoon um, and then the other one is you get this like super mode shout. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's dragon aspect or something. And uh, basically, if you max it out, like your character gets covered in like this glowing like exoskeleton of like like dragon scales and like 
all your stats are buffed and you have all these other crazy bonuses to shit you can do. And it, it's basically a, a, a Super Saiyan mode. Well, that's actually pretty cool. And something that's kind of slept on, um, after you beat the main story, you can kind of go back to where the final battle was. And you can interact with, I can't remember what they are, but you can interact with some stuff there and you can actually respec your character. Oh, no fucking way. So if it's like, let's say early on, for whatever reason, you dumped a bunch of points into like two-handed weapons, but you actually don't use them anymore, and fucking go get those refunded. Costs you like a dragon soul, but you can get all your two-handed perks refunded, throw them in some other things. That's pretty cool. That I yeah. actually like any game that allows you to respec. I was talking to somebody today about Dark Souls, the, the remaster, and he's like, can you respec? And I'm like, I don't think you can. And he's like, really? I'm like, I don't remember if you can, but I don't think you can. He's like, fuck. Yeah, OG Dark Souls is the only one where you can't do that to some extent, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, like in Elden Ring, I think I had to respec like four times. Yeah. Because... Either my build got nerfed in a patch, or you know, I just I thought of a better one. So, well, in Elden Ring, it's kind of like implied that you should do that, especially with how much freedom there is. You know, is it's yeah. just too much to not try everything in your first playthrough, and no one wants to play the entire game again just to try one build. Well, Elden Ring also has the the weird issue of like the soft caps on a lot of things are really fucking high, mm-hmm. so if you end up wasting points early on on something, it's just like, it's just taking you so much longer to get to the soft cap for the, the actual stat that you need. So it, it definitely is more of a, you, you know, if you did fuck up early on, you'd probably better off just respecting. Um, cause, uh, yeah. Elden rings. Uh, I can't wait to do the Elden ring podcast. Cause I have a lot of shit a, to say about yeah, that one. It, yeah, that's going to be a nuts one. He does not like Elden ring that much. It, okay, it's not that I don't like Elden Ring. First of all, spoilers for that podcast. It's not that I don't like Elden Ring. It's the fact that it's not my favorite type of Souls game. And then um, I'm and then I'm like the complete opposite. I think it's my favorite now. Like, it's, oh dude, I think it's definitely up. I literally just stopped playing it like ten minutes ago. When, or like you know when we started the podcast, I was, I was just playing it today. I yeah. I, there's Rome. a guy at work. Um, Spencer who like our first conversation was actually about Elden Ring and he's like oh it's a 10 out of 10 best game I've ever played and I'm like it's all right <laughs> like, yeah uh-huh. yeah he's like there's no like it's it's the perfect game I'm like yeah I remember so. <laughs> I remember the day right remember when I told you I got like access I got early access right and I was like I was showing you that video of it and it looked so sick like okay me and me and David were talking about it right and uh we were so stoked it comes out the day it came out you know we played it uh, i'm pretty mm. sure you played around a release didn't you no oh yeah yeah i had it i had it when it released because i um i ended up just buying it digitally i pre-ordered it digitally and so like a week later we tar- start talking about it at work and the first thing he says is eh it's okay <laughs> i was like what He's like, this is, this, it's just too, over, there's too much to do. It's too, like, yeah, we talked a lot about it. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of points that he made that I could understand though. Like I, I could see why someone would, would say that, but the game has grown on me. I will say that. Like it, I, if I had to rate it in the beginning, I would have gave it like a six out of 10. 
but but we can having we can talk rep- we can talk more yeah. about it right at the there's a lot to talk about with that yeah having replayed it recently and starting it started a new build recently where i'm a, an astrologer and i realized how op magic is yeah. I've, uh, I've i've tweaked my like what i would give it as far as a score um it but did yeah, win game I, of the year, you know. Just saying, it did win yeah, game I know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. And I'm like, I'm such a soulsborn whore. Like, and I, I that's why I was the all most, of them. That's why I was the most surprised too. I was like, geez. Well, I mean, I yeah. kind of not to keep this discussion going, but I can totally see where you guys are coming from, both of you. And Same, no, I think I, I'm, I'm kind of split in the middle because don't get me wrong, I fucking love Elden Ring. You know, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 just because 10 out of 10 implies perfection and no game's perfect. Mm. But, you know, fantastic game. I think it's a great evolution of the From Software formula. But as far as a Souls game goes, it's not the best. <laughs> Because see, see, th- it, we're going to have to do another three-way yeah, we podcast yeah, absolutely would, yeah. for this. Because, I mean, I'll, I guess spoilers for my opinion when we get to it. But, like, I think it's a fucking phenomenal game. It's the Soulsborne game I've put the most time into since the original Dark Souls. But, I don't know. It does. There's things like the like Spirit Ashes, don't get me wrong, I think are dope. But that's <laughs> not really a Souls thing. Um, How, you know, exploitable, like, Ashes of War can be and all that kind of shit. Um, not really a Souls thing. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to really getting into the the nitty-gritty when the Elden Ring episode eventually happens, because that's going to be a fun one. Same here. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm going to be that's... valiantly defending my favorite title, okay? <laughs> As oh, best I will you too. It, but, it's but literally I, my favorite I, I, game that's come out in the past, like, six years? Like... And, I, and, I, and I can totally see where you guys are coming from, too, because in, in David's personal case, like, specific people are going to have different experiences, not just because of, you know, what they like in series, but also, you know, like work life and everything like that. Like there's certain things that we talked about that, you know, I can agree with. And, you know, same with you, like some of the soul stuff that people don't really consider soul things. I can see why people would say that too. So it's like, I'm, I'm here for it. Like I'm here for the discussion. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I've been practicing this discussion at work with this kid, Spencer, like fucking, Every day, every single day, especially now. So just a little backstory on this too. Um, So our first discussion was about Elden Ring. And then I asked him what other Souls games he played. And he was like, oh, only Dark Souls 3 and a little bit of Bloodborne. And I was like, I'm like, you've never even played Dark Souls 1? He's like, no. I could probably put better arguments than than he can. All right. I've played them all. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. actually, you helped me play through Dark Souls One too. So, like, oh, that was the last one I had to play, and that was the only one that I needed help with. Everything and else. Dark Souls One is so fucking it's good. Amazing. He's. He, I actually got him to play Dark Souls One now. He's going through Dark Souls One now. He's at the Gargoyles. That's um, it. That's where he's really. When did he start? Yeah. When did yeah. he start? <laughs> he started like. I'm not trying to be like that Soulsborne player. That's like, oh, oh, you're so bad. No, I'm just it saying. Must have like, been it a is, week ago. It is very early. But but with that being said, I will say this. He used wikis and stuff for Elden Ring. And he said going into Dark Souls, he wasn't going to use a wiki unless he had to. So 
I yeah. commend him for that because I remember my, I, I want to say like three quarters of the way through my first playthrough in Dark Souls, I ended up using a wiki for certain things. Um, it's a, it's a very abusive game the first time through if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I can run Dark Souls fucking blindfolded and backwards by now. Like, I know where everything is in that fucking game. But my first playthrough, it, it's, it's a lot. But with that being said, he played through Elden Ring and did like everything in fucking Elden Ring. I, I think he said he killed. Thing, yeah. I think he only missed like five bosses. That he said playing through it. So like that, you know, Dark Souls should be fucking easy comparatively. It's just a little bit more jank. There's no jump button. Yeah. That's probably that's probably pretty fucked up too. I mean, There's I'm, a lot of places in that game where you gotta jump a little bit, and not having a jump button is rough. I yeah, yeah, but talk, <laughs> talking about those games though, it's like this. We're getting really far off track, though. I will admit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right, all right. For um for Skyrim, what else did you guys find that was like really, really like? I don't know. I'd say like I I always talk about exploits in Skyrim, right? Especially like the funny part where like you can steal stuff in a specific way. You know, like if you like grab something and you bring it to another room and shut the door, you can pick it up. And technically, technically, it's not stealing because they didn't see you do it. You know, so like you can't get caught for certain things. Or they put in a bucket over someone's head, like those funny jank things. I was yeah. I mean, those were in there since Morrowind too. By the way, I was gonna ask like in specifically in Skyrim. Do you guys have any particular favorite jank things that you've noticed aside from like the typical stuff people joke about, you know? I don't know. I, have, I haven't one. come across any jank things recently since the new one. I haven't come across any of them, but like I playing the game originally, the amount of glitches and weird shit that I saw would blow your mind. It was like a different world. <laughs> so I've got one thing in particular. Um, you know, like I said earlier, my first playthrough was pure mage. Yeah. So, you know, I'm fucking around with magic and I got the, you know, the raised dead spell. Oh. And oh, I remember I killed my first dragon and I see the skeleton on the ground. I'm like, oh my God, can I raise dead this thing? <laughs> so I shoot the raised dead little blue fireball thing at the dragon skeleton. And, you know, I expect to see the, oh, this, this too, too strong for your magic. So instead, you know, that message pops up. But what I wasn't expecting, for whatever reason, hitting dragon skeletons with rays dead makes them slide across the ground. <laughs> oh my! And they just go off in the distance, and it, I, it's the funniest thing. I literally just hit it with the rays dead, and it just launches off into the horizon. <laughs> it. One thing I completely oh, found man. by accident, and. And I just remember thinking it's the the funniest thing. And every time I see a dragon skeleton, I still can't, I just I can't fight the urge to not do it. <laughs> it's one of those uh, things that makes you keep going, like you know what this game may it may not be part of the game, but it is now kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, hold on! Yeah. I think I I'm gonna put this in the clips and highlights chat. I found a clip of it. I think of mm-hmm. just someone. <laughs> Like doing what I was just talking about. And oh, like with the with the like sliding around. Yeah. Oh my uh, god. If you guys want to see it in motion, because it's wild. Oh Jesus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh wait, this dragon body didn't uh deteriorate yet. Alright, I'm watching this shit. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> 
person right over you like the instantly becomes weightless yeah <laughs> it's, it's the wonderful. strangest thing that is wonderful so okay so i don't know oh i, I know that greg played it uh from launch like back in the day and you, but you didn't did you so you, when you played it did you see any of the crazy glitches like the game breaking ones I've, because I've, I've definitely had some breaks on it i mean i did also now when you told me about the the ps3 thing it didn't really occur yeah. to me at the time but like now that i was <laughs> thinking about it i was like you know what i definitely did have some moments where the game like <clears throat> didn't really go the way as it was supposed to you know yeah and, it uh, is a huge glitch for like i'm sure like i just can't remember it probably it was, i can't remember if it was that or if it was something else but i definitely had my fair share for certain and it, it could have been for for sure easily so uh, the worst ones that i came across were always like um the backwards flying dragon so it I was like a not seen that ever. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So let me explain this glitch because I didn't know what the fuck it was at first, and I had to look into it after the fact. But like, this was a huge issue when the game first launched. So if let's say there was a quest where you had to go fight a dragon or kill so many dragons or whatever it was, sometimes in rare instances you would find a dragon flying backwards. Now, that doesn't seem like a huge issue at first because you're like, oh, it's just a fucking dragon flying backwards. Like, it's eventually going to land. No, the dragon never lands. And secondly, it could also compound with another glitch where the dragon would fly super fast the fast, like, the more it would fly backwards. So it would just, like, constantly be gaining speed and just flying, like, crazy fast around in circles, also going backwards. Um, the other issue with that glitch though is the dragon is also invulnerable and will not land so <laughs> if you came across it and you were like oh this is like a main questing that I have to kill you were essentially fucked and had to reload your save and hope to god that when you loaded your save it didn't happen again and that was a well known glitch for the better part of a few years I just found a clip of it from 11 years ago. Oh my god. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a thing that that fucking happened. It's very, very uh, a annoying. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen that once in all my playthroughs. It happened to me several times in my first playthrough. And I almost quit playing the game um, because one time it happened, I could not do anything as far as like it was is tied to a main story quest for progression for some reason i can't remember if it was like a specific dragon i had to kill but i didn't have a save that went far enough back to fix it and the other issue is if it was already like part of your game like let's say you saved and the dragon was already flying backwards um post patch it would still be doing it like even after they fixed it you needed a save before you had encountered the dragon in order for it to like fix the dragon glitch it was a pain in the ass sounds terrible but i came yeah i came across that um i was actually talking to uh my friend harrison at work today about he had one that was fucking hilarious there was a dog that was like completely like clipping through the floor so all you could see was the dog's head 
and you'd be randomly be in town and just hear the dog bark and turn around there'd be no dog but just like a little fucking dog head sticking out of the ground uh that wouldn't happen to me but also i'd have npcs stuck in the ground so like certain like npcs would be like stuck inside like walls or tables or floors or some shit um which was super fun yeah so those are the main glitches that i came across nothing too game breaking um and then there's like the the classic the like uh the giant hits you and you fly into the fucking sky i had something like that but it was actually reverse in it and I'm not gonna lie, it actually happened once when I first started playing, and once recently as well. <laughs> and it was yeah, some glitches still still peek uh, through even with the special edition. I uh, so um, this will bring me to my next question after this, but like due to like the way that I play the game, um, every single time I go to fight a dra- or, or not every time, but like sometimes when I go to fight a giant. Uh, you know how there's a kill animation on certain weapons when you're fighting people, right? And yeah. it, like zooms in, you get this whole cinematic. When yeah. I got that cinematic, when I was younger, and actually like a few weeks ago, on a giant, it only happens with giants as far as I can see, I do the cinematic, but instead of me showing, instead of it showing me like fighting him and like doing my like crazy move, it shows me fighting nothing. There's nothing there. And instead, <laughs> the body goes slingshotting like a hundred feet into the sky. And when I and it cancels the animation like halfway through. And I'm looking around like where the fudge is like the giant. And then out of nowhere, the body just comes crashing down. <laughs> just falls right there. It, oh my god. It, it makes it look as if I just whacked it into the sky and it fell down and died. Like it's it's kind of cool. It, it wasn't really I never had a problem with that glitch. I thought it looked actually so sick. Even as a kid, I was like, I mean, especially as a kid, I thought it was sick. But when I'm older, like, I can still remember, like, it was, it just makes it feel like, oh, damn, my character's that strong? Okay, I see where I'm at. Like, that's kind of sick. Yeah. I uh, think there's just something wrong with giants. Like, whenever they, they when they program giants or, or something with, like, large character models, I think they just, there's just jank involved. Might have something like, to do it, with their, like, knockback and uh, some sort of, like, miscalculations of the damage. Because I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you ever watched as like deep dives into some of the glitches in the game, like there was literally, I want to say it was a B or something that actually broke the intro to Skyrim before it launched. Like they had, so uh, this is going to sound so weird. I, I hope I'm explaining it correctly. And I think I am. So there was a programmer that was going in and placing individual bugs. Oh, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And he, went around and he had underneath the jars didn't he have something written under the jar oh no no that's a different thing there oh, there man. is okay, that okay. where there's there's bugs in a jar that one I thought was where <laughs> where they had like this whole quest line plan with bugs in a jar and, and it had but the the pro the like the quest designers were like this is too much work so they didn't make the quest involving it. the bugs in the jars. They didn't take the, it out either. Yeah, they just left them in the game. Yeah, yeah the, the designers and, just left it in. And for but the no. longest time, the community was like, we have to find out what this means. Oh, There's years, gotta dude. be something behind, behind the this. symbols. I remember all yeah. that. Oh my god. And then it yeah. all was cracked one day when one of the guys was like, made a post somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And he was like, yeah, so apparently the dev team actually just forgot to finish the quest line. So you guys have been on a wild goose chase this entire time and no one bothered to say a thing. 
yeah so pre-launch of skyrim there's like they're doing the whole intro scene so when you're in the carriage and they're, it's going down the hill and all that stuff so um they they had to hand place essentially everything so like all the trees and everything in the environment there was a designer or one of the programmers um was placing bugs in the environment so like the the bees and stuff that you see flying around the the issue was those bees actually had weight associated with them so the carriage would be like going down the hill and like intersect with one of the bees and just fucking launch into the sky and for months they couldn't figure out why it was happening and then they had to go and like literally click on everything in the environment to figure out what was going on and it was literally just the bee had a weight associated with it in the physics system that caused it to outweigh everything in the carriage and when they collided it would just fucking instantly launch the carriage into space so and that was in the game up until about a month or two before launch when they had figured out what the fuck was wrong with it so when like all these glitches are left over you have to remember like stupid shit like that will literally break a game especially with a game with so much specific stuff in it you know like oh yeah of all these things especially like alchemy and like the weights and like damage points of everything like i can imagine why it definitely get jumbled yeah i'd argue that there probably still isn't a game with a world as immersive in details as skyrim like you can you can argue that elden ring is is like a bigger game and there's more in it but you also have to think of like the elden ring doesn't have a crazy amount of npcs and it doesn't have a crazy amount of quest lines it's just it's mostly it has, it has a good number of quest lines it's just i well it's not the same kind of style of game as skyrim exactly like you have to think of uh when you're looking at skyrim how many npcs you interact with how many quest lines are associated with those npcs and you have vendors you have houses that you can buy you have like all this shit that has to work together you have fucking like like even in Elden Ring you're pretty much can collect like flowers and different things like that on the ground but like in Skyrim you can collect like everything you can collect animals you can collect flowers you can collect bees you can collect fireflies like there's so much shit in this world that like yeah you you have to assume there's going to be something that's going to give like there's going to be a glitch somewhere along the line and it makes sense why even years later these things are still fucking in there uh, but as a, I was also going to talk about, um, you know, weapon builds, you know, like how uh, you want yes. to start your character, right? I think everybody had the same build for a long time when the game came out, and that was like Stealth Archer. For some reason, that was just everybody's fucking build. For me, uh, me personally, I actually never used a bow, and I never used magic. <laughs> What? Yeah. Well, first of all, magic. Magic was kind of jank in the beginning. It didn't. I, oh my god! Yeah. yeah. I only <laughs> used the bow when hitting, when trying to hit a dragon flying around. That was it. Never once did I use a bow for another reason. <laughs> Whenever I played the game, I always, always went down the path, picked the warrior stone, and then I was like, you know what? I'm two-handing either a battle axe or a hammer, and I'm gonna fuck about anything else. That was it. Heavy armor. So- hammer or axe that was it no shields so no tiny swords 
I was light armor, um, archer, but when I had to melee, I was I was like a dual wielding melee character. I was essentially a rogue. Like if I had to like pick a fucking like D and D class, it was rogue. <laughs> See that? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I pretty much played the same people, thing as you, Dave. A lot of people liked that style. I didn't really understand it. I was like, kind of like, I like being just like able to walk up to people and just bonk them. Just be like, yep, you're dead. Okay, move on to the next person. You're dead. And the animation is so sick, too. Like, it's like, there's one where, like, you put the hammer around the back of their neck and you just headbutt them to death. Like, that was so dope to me. I was like, damn. For some reason, I always thought dual wielding was the the way to go for, like, maximum damage output. And it for a while, it, it definitely works. Um, it's, it's when you get to the end of the game that it kind of it, it backfires just a tidbit. Because like there are certain battles where blocking is nice to be able to yeah. do, oh, yeah. <laughs> or or it's like unavoidable damage. Uh, so if you're dual wielding like like short swords, you're fucked because you're gonna get hit. And there's like really nothing you can do about. It. There's no real dodge system involved, you know. Um, but early on in the game, it was just super fun to just like walk up to somebody and just like mash on your triggers and beat the shit out of them. And if you just cranked up your your endurance, like you could swing quite a few times, and you'd probably kill them before your meter ran out. That's how I felt about like my my two handed. the The coolest thing is I thought it I thought it covered everything. Like, because the way I would always make my build is okay. I need obviously the biggest problem was dealing with like ranged enemies because I didn't have anything else. And the only time I used the bow was when I was fighting as dragons, just because they were flying around. Um, yeah. So, you know, what am I going to do when the Hatgraven starts shooting fireballs at me? Or what am I going to do when a wizard decides to just light me up with electricity and fire <laughs> at the same time? Or, you know, whatever kind of projectile happens. And uh, my solution to that was I just run straight through it. Like, that was it. <laughs> that was my favorite solution. I thought it was so much fun. I'm just, I just picture, like, in the game universe, I'm like, okay. This person, like, oh, it's some sort of crazy wizard, and he's like protecting some sort of group, and he's like, he's like, oh, like I imagine him just like seeing the dragonborn running in, and he's like unleashing everything he has, and the dragonborn just walks straight through it and just like bonks with a hammer. <laughs> like I love that image so much, and that's exactly how I played the game every time. I have not once tried a single other build because I find it so fun. <laughs> I still to this day play it that way. I still have a save that I played it like that right now. And um, I would just stuff my pockets with like, you know, you know, you loot like everything around you. I would just stuff my pockets with health potions like crazy. Like any health potion, any food, I'm jamming into my pockets. I'm carrying that stuff <laughs> everywhere because... Uh, I would upgrade my endurance, my my heavy armor stat, and my heavy weaponry. And oh, you know, you, you know, in Skyrim, you're supposed to be kind of balanced. I was the least balanced ever. <laughs> I was I was not caring about anything else. Picking a lock, I would rely on just my pure like chance of opening it as as uh, even the hardest master locks. I got really good at that because I never bothered to pick update any other skill. Um. For, like, theory, I just wouldn't do it because I would always get caught, obviously. Or I'd have to, like, drag something to another room. Like, I would always find other ways to deal with stuff instead of using those skills, like, that are upgraded. Because I would spend every single point into just 
heavy weapon, uh, two-handing my weapon and heavy armor. And it was just, I thought it was so fun. Um, and I would just get myself super tanky. I would, I would grab every potion I could find, every, like, piece of food I could find, and every time I'm fighting a boss and I start losing health, I pause the menu, drink a bunch of potions, drink that resistant potion, eat that food. I'm just going to eat everything in my inventory because it's like, it heals me for like almost nothing. And um, that's exactly, I don't know, I just had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, recently, I think just recently in my playthrough now, I decided to just use healing, <laughs> like the spell healing. I decided to try and use that for the first time. And... Uh, it, it helps a bit. It's, it still doesn't help the whole drastic depletion of health. But, you know, it's. I think that's the best way to play, in my opinion. I think it's my favorite way to play. Well, I mean, it's pretty much balls to the wall. Yeah, it's just <laughs> run in. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of enemies. Oh, and I never got... I think I got a companion my first time, but then I got rid of him or he died or something. I don't know. And I just never got another companion. I've never been a companion guy. Yeah. Unless I'm using them for fucking like a pack mule. Yeah. Like, that was the only time I would use a companion. It's like, oh, I'm shit. I'm fucking running out of space. Like, and I need to get rid of some weight. That's why I, I bought was, the like, house. Offload it. I just bought the house and I shoved everything in my pockets in the house. I, like, you know, I'd, every drawer you would open would just be a miscellaneous of junk. <laughs> and I would try to keep it organized where it's like there was a there was you know the downstairs okay I'd always buy Breeze home I go in and then the first two drawers so there's one on your right and there's like you know one in the back or something anything I could put stuff in that's where it would go but if it was like a weapon I really liked or like a piece of armor set I really liked or like special like uh, gems you know or you know like anything I would use to craft and stuff like that all the important stuff would be upstairs in any cupboard I could find. Any piece of room I would find. I would organize everything upstairs, but everything downstairs was just miscellaneous junk at, like as far as the eye could see. I'd just throw shit everywhere. Yeah, that's exactly how I liked playing. I would like right before I go in dungeon, You're I'm a like monster. <laughs> I feel like right before I go to a dungeon, just empty my pockets, just throw it into there, and then I'd organize it later. Or um whatever, but and then uh, when I got Lydia as a companion, because I, I think she's the first one you get, right? When you go yeah. to, because you, you know, you help out Whiterun and everything. I just yeah, made her maybe. stay at Bree's home all the time. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, I always thought to myself, as a, especially when I was younger, I was like, I was like, oh, someone's going to come into the house and take something. So someone has to be watching the house. So I just <laughs> left Lydia there all the time. <laughs> And then I just run out into the world and do my thing. Like that's that's I thought that was Oh my god. That's my optimal way to play, all right, you know. So I wanna say I wanna say my build, I had I used the bow and arrow because honestly it was the best for crit damage. So yeah. if you're like sneaking through an environment, you can you can take people out pretty easily from a distance if they didn't see you, especially if you leveled up that skill pretty well. Um but the reason I did the two uh the two like swords versus just like the one dual handed is you can enchant weaponry pretty much based on what what you want. So like I would have different swords that were really light with different magic effects to them for whatever situation I was in. Or like lightning so like, fire and ice. Exactly. So if I needed like a lightning sword, I would have that. If I needed like a fire sword, I would have that. Or if I just like was in a, a mixed situation where I was fighting a lot of enemies, I would just 
equip whatever I had on me and it would still do extra damage. Um, and it was nice because it was like constant. Not only would you get like the, the normal damage with the magic damage, but you're doing it twice over and you could do it really, really quickly if you have enough endurance. So you could, you could burn through people really fast. Um, the only downside was I was also a light armor build. So if I got hit, I would take, uh, I'd take some serious like damage. So I'd usually like spec into some healing for spell work. So that way I could just like quickly heal myself. While I was in the heat of battle. Cause I didn't like carrying potions and shit on me. Yeah. Um, trust me. It takes up a lot of space. <laughs> Yeah, but like I said, once once I got towards the the tail end of the game, the build became very like it was one of those things where I was like, you you end up regretting the build a little bit, especially when you're fighting so many dragons and dragons just tear through you. Yeah, uh, unless you're like point blank up fighting them twenty four seven, they will fucking murder you. Um, but that's like the only real bit. Like every time I play the game, I think I'm going to do a, do a two handed build or I'm going to do fucking this build. I always end up at that build because it's just the most fun to play to me. And I always love being the guy that can like pick all the locks or steal all the shit in the house or, or do like all the, like the wacky shit that you'd want to get away with in real life. I would be that guy. So I, I, I just like really love that build. And it's the build I play in, honestly most games even fucking final fantasy that fucking stranger of paradise my subclass for the longest time was like ninja and then assassin and it has nothing to do with like it's purely combat based but it's just always the builds i gravitate towards and that's just that's just people's specific play style i mean i play you know the way i play in skyrim i play the exact same way in every other game i i oh, like fuck. yeah i know i played with you in dark souls yeah <laughs> well technically technically you can't blame me in dark souls because it's kind of the way that you taught me to do it anyways and i was like you know i'm gonna go with it i don't even care right it's the fucking easiest way to go it's through that game to be easy. honest you just fly through you just you know take a big sword or a big whatever i actually i used the halberd right dark knight halberd that was the yeah the dark knight halberd uh the the dark knight weapons are really good couldn't get the freaking sword good. for my life killed so many of them yeah. could not freaking get it that's fine. I got the fucking great sword drop. I hate that sword. Yeah. I the wanted that Musa. sword. That's what I wanted. The normal sword's good. The great sword's not. But all um, right, okay. all yeah. right, Greg. What did you do for a build? Yeah. Well, so I kind of chimed in when we started this conversation. My build's pretty much identical to yours, Dave. Um, but I I kind of mixed it up. I would say it was mainly sneaking, you know, bow and arrow and one-handed weapons. Mm. But aside from that, I always kind of mixed it up depending on, you know, am I just looking to carve through enemies? I'll pull out a second sword. Do I need to play more defensive? I'll pull out a shield. Or, in some cases, if I didn't want to carry around a shield due to, like, equip weight, I would just one-hand one sword, because you can still block that way. Yeah. Um, I was never that smart. <laughs> or I'd, you know, oh, maybe I need to, like, or I would do sword and a healing spell in my offhand, so I can just keep healing myself while I'm fighting through things. Um, my go-to dragon slaying loadout was ward spell in left hand, sword in the right hand. Dragon comes down, block the fire, swing at him. You know, simple and effective. Um, yeah, I sense. really just I clutched on the versatility that, that having one sword would let you do, because I always kind of found myself wanting to be able to freely swap what I needed on the fly 
because of you know how the favorites menu worked and all that. Oh yeah, for, the favorites menu is fucking gold. Yeah, brilliant idea, brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, that was pretty much my thing. One-handed sneaky archer, but you know, I I flexed in some other stuff as needed to just kind of fit to whatever scenario I might get into. Sounds like you're more like the adaptive part, like in between me and me and Dave. <laughs> Well, I, notice that none of us really picked any magic skills either, because like, well, I, I, I did add, uh, I did add healing on my, on my, you know, well, that, that was, so through it is now, but it doesn't really help me that much, you know, because I have to swap. I will, I will say I did spec and destruction once, so that way, because I thought like, okay, I'll have one hand be a sword, and then my other hand be like fireball or like you know something, something I could use as like a ranged offensive. But it, it it just doesn't work. Like it works in a sense, but you're way better off just either going full melee or going full mage. It it's not like as good as like a like a cell sword a spell sword would be or something like that in like D and D. It just doesn't work as well. Yeah. No, for sure. Um I will say, uh my my very heavily modded I'm not gonna say heavily modded, because I'm sure there are some people that <laughs> will make my mod list look like it's a child's play. But in my modded uh PC file I started not too long ago, uh well I've sort of worked myself into a corner where I can't do the stealth archer build anymore. Hmm. So it's been kind of interesting. Um Wait, so, so what do you do instead in uh... Well, I, I mean, unless you guys want to kind of shift this over to mods for the game, I can go down that rabbit hole and kind of explain it a bit more. But I don't want to, I don't want to change the subject if we're talking no, no, about shift, builds and stuff. shift it freely. I don't know anything yeah. about. Mods. I've never actually used a single mod on the game because I just, you know, like the past year or two, I just started doing PC stuff, so it's it's still pretty new to me. Okay. So, yeah. so I I I definitely want to hear about the mods too because I honestly so we're at two hours now I want to kind of wrap it up but this is the last like big thing I wanted to talk about because yeah. mods are such a fucking the, huge part of they Skyrim are literally one whole half it's like you can't yeah. you can't talk about it without it. yeah no so um all right, so I guess a bit of context so I've always modding Elder Scrolls games has always kind of been my thing when I you know, was small baby with gaming computer, gaming laptop, and was like, I'm going to try modding Oblivion. Uh, you know, I broke my install. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I never, I, you know, I casually got into it with Skyrim, like the OG release on PC, because of like how it worked with the Steam Workshop and how kind of easy and seamless that made it. But even then, I didn't fuck around with it much, and I never did anything crazy. Uh, I really got into modding with the console version on Xbox of the special edition. Yeah, because you can't break your game. <laughs> yeah, well, you you can, but it's very easily fixable if you do. Yeah, and you know, I remember really getting into like the like the mods for the special edition and all of that, and I remember being like, "Oh fuck!" Like this is really cool, but there's a limit to how many mods you can have on Xbox, like space wise. So I was like, all right, well, I got a new gaming laptop recently. I can run the special edition of Skyrim. So then I did, I did it the same way. I modded, you know, through the in-game menu thing, like on Xbox, just on PC. Mm. And fucked around with that for a bit. But I never got to a point where I was really satisfied. And I spent more time putting a mod list together and tweaking it than actually playing the game. <laughs> just so, tinkering around. 
you know, Skyrim got put on the inevitable back burner as it always does with life and other games and all that kind of shit. So eventually, you know, when the urge struck me again, I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like this time I'm going to mod my Skyrim like a big boy. I'm going to do it through the <laughs> mod nexus and, you know, I'm going to do it legit because that's where like the even crazier mods are because like what Bethesda allows for their, you know, on their in-game thing is different from what you could find on Nexus. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go all into it this time. So I did some research. I set up a few of the things that let you have the more expansive mods, like the, uh, like the script extender for Skyrim and all that kind of junk. And funny enough, which I found out, modding it through like, you know, like the, like, you know, Nexus mods, actually really easy. Oh, it's yeah. not like how it used to be. Because I always yeah, imagined it, it, used it to like be how like... it was years ago when it's like you got to download all the files, you got to manually extract them and put them in the right place and blah, 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 blah. But no, they have their own like mod management tool now called Vortex. And at least for how it works with Skyrim, you literally just download the mods, you know, activate them, and the mod loader takes care of the rest. It'll put them in the right place. It'll let you know if there's things that are overlapping or conflicting. And if they do, you know, what order do you want them to load in? So certain, so this way, certain mods will overwrite other ones, not cause any problems. And it's super intuitive. So kind of after I put the mod list together and I actually have something that I'm pretty happy with, I want to say I have about 130 something mods active. Holy shit. And you know, so what I'm the biggest thing for me that's been the gameplay changer is um, a pretty popular mod type. People will make companions, you know, to, to follow you around. But it's not just like, oh, like here's my character I made and I gave them like one of the generic voice templates that's in the game and they just kind of follow you around and they're really cool or hot or whatever it might be. Um, what I have a, a handful of is like these unique companions that have like custom voice work. Like custom flake behaviors that you know normal followers don't do, and all this kind of stuff. And because these are all unique characters, they don't eat up a follower slot. Hmm. So, what started as just me and one NPC has now literally divulged into a seven-person adventuring party. Jeez, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's all these characters that are like unique and have their own like like build i guess and you know things that they can do and interact with and some of these mod authors that have made these characters have actually collaborated and these unique characters will actually have banter with one another like it's a fucking dragon age game oh my god you got like a small <laughs> army cool. just following you around talking and like they'll, they'll, they'll like they'll like they'll talk to each other and like make small talk and i'm like holy shit like this is really fucking cool. But you have that many people following you around. Stealth is not an option anymore. Yep. <laughs> so I've been kind of doing what Logan does, but I'm doing, instead of two-handed, I'm doing heavy armor, um, one-handed, and shield, mainly. Oh. And, but That's even still... Really cool, though. It's like, the, it's like the signature build, though, you know, like the from the trailers yeah. and everything. Yeah, your sword and board. And it's just, it's really interesting because the only way for the game to even be challenging with that many people following me around is I got to crank the difficulty up. 
<laughs> yeah, because I imagine so, they just shred through health bars, right? Yeah, so I cranked the difficulty up to legendary, which is the highest. And combat is shockingly dangerous still. Like, you know, if it's like only one thing, you know, the six NPCs will just rush the dude and beat it to death. It still takes a bit because of all the health they have. Yeah. But I'm not in danger. But if it's like a big yeah. combat and there's a lot of enemies running around, like, I need to watch my ass. If something sneaks up on me, I'm down in like two or three hits. I send, and, but, you know, hence the shield, uh, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool, though, because you're essentially doing like a. It's almost like every dungeon you go into would be like almost like a mini raid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> you have. You have a whole squad of people with you that you kind of have to like look after, and you have to make sure that you're not getting your shit kicked in. That's actually it. It's definitely going to change the game in a significant way. And you know, aside from like that kind of stuff, I've downloaded you know a bunch of texture overhauls. You know, two K, four K textures. You know, better character models. You know, weather lighting. Like the the whole nine, and yeah. I do not have even far and away what is like the prettiest looking possible Skyrim. But let me, uh, if you don't mind, I'm gonna dump some screenshots into uh, just clips and highlights, just to kind of give you an idea of the kind of visuals I'm working with. I'm curious to see how. Oh, actually, that's and then, really clean. This is the this is like what like the improved character models look like. That's the Breton I'm playing as. Wow, that actually does look really good. Um, just a couple other like random like screenshots and stuff. But yeah, it's it's honestly insane the kind of the visual like enhancement you can get from just like some really good textures. Wow, the lighting and like that room is fucking insane yeah like you can see the dust that's pretty cool what's that little so top top, uh left corner you are warm you're getting warming up is you have like a survival thing too as well that's actually the survival mode that's uh officially in from the anniversary edition i was gonna try that wow that look that game looks where you man you have to eat in order to stay like fed and everything yeah go to sleep that's crazy so yeah you know between the improved visuals and kind of having all these characters following me around and uh gameplay tweaks too um mm-hmm. there's this one mod author uh i believe most of his stuff is on the console versions and the pc versions like of the like the in-game like thing through bethesda net uh his the author's name is like it's like Eni scion or something like that and he basically has overhauls of every aspect of Kyron. Uh, wow. <laughs> Skyrim. <laughs> to the combat, uh, spell casting, perk overhauls, um, systems like reworking the races and like their racial bonuses, adding more enchantments into the game, adding more spells. Um, I think there's even a, I think he even authored a system for like, more dragon shouts and like being able to combine words of different shouts to make new ones and yes. all this yeah all this kind of stuff and I'm I'm a big fan of pretty much all the overhauls he's he's made for like just the game systems and 
the the shining star i think through all of that is uh it's called ordinator and it's a perk overhaul and it basically takes every perk tree reworks it from the ground up and adds a shit ton more perks hmm. and it even implements like some ideas that you wouldn't see normally like uh probably one of my favorites that's changed is like speechcraft so you know it has the normal stuff where it's like oh you, your persuading is better you get better prices but now there's a whole branch on speechcraft that's enhances your dragon like your dragon shouts and like reduces cooldowns or gives you these other benefits which makes sense you know speech dragon shouting vocal stuff or there's that's a whole cool. there's a whole tree for like bard related things like performing music to get gold I remember hearing and, about the, the Bard's College everyone keeps mentioning in the game. And like, like... like that kind of shit. Or when it comes to like uh, one of my favorite perks, I think it's in the Heavy Armor Tree. It's like one of the last ones you can get. But the description literally says, if you're wearing full heavy armor and you walk towards enemies, not run, walk towards them like you're fucking Doom Slayer, there's a chance <laughs> they get scared and run away from you. Bro, that's so cool. <laughs> Oh, I'd love that. And it's it, it's just it it makes the game feel new again. Like, like it just makes it feel like building off of what they already had already done, just making it that much better in general. Most of the mods that I remember hearing a lot about, and that's because I'm still like I don't know enough about them. I know there's quality of life stuff, but most of the ones that I hear about are like the ridiculously over the top, like bizarre stuff, you know. Like, oh, yeah. there's some there's some weird shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like turning you know, dragons like, into Thomas the Tank Engine, or like turning dragons know. into Thomas the Tank Engine, or like giving every female character like these ridiculously yeah. unrealistic like body proportions and uh, skimpy armor. Yeah, yeah, that's and, always gonna happen anytime you yeah. allow mods in a game. Though, like, like Resident Evil yeah. Two mods, and, and I think that was the most fun though from what I saw in videos on Skyrim because of how funny it is to see the models interact with each other because it is still an open world and the models do have to interact with each other and it's like yeah oh my gosh those are the ones that i i love seeing but the ones that you're talking about really like open up my eyes to how fun the game actually can even be like without it being ridiculous it just makes it even more realistic and fun to do yeah and that's not even including the fact that there are entire mods that have like entire different quest lines added to the game yeah. or just, just insane like um has anybody heard of the the game forgotten city yeah that started as a mod and it yeah. just turned into its own thing it was a skyrim mod and then the devs just made it its own fucking game yeah there was a uh it wasn't like a documentary but somebody did a, a video on it one time and um I have the game. Like, I've, I've, I fucking played it. Like, I have it on PS5. And I didn't know about it. And it suddenly, it, like, popped up on one of my, like, YouTube feeds. And it, the whole thing started with, like, there's this... Uh, I want to say he's from Australia. But he was a lawyer. And he was just, like, modding Skyrim. And he had this idea of, like, a time loop game. Like, a time loop quest. Where the person would have to keep going through a time loop and resetting it until he solved the riddle and then break the time loop. And he went through like, the, like so many iterations of this mod. Um, 
and it got very very popular and at some point in time like maximum games was like hey do you do you want to like actually make this into a game instead of a mod like we'll give you like a team and we can do it in a different engine and stuff like that and now the guy's like not a lawyer anymore he just he he's a fucking game developer all from like essentially building a skyrim mod that That's people okay. found cool shit like that that blow, like blows my mind because if you were to play the forgotten city you could see how it's a skyrim mod because like the combat there's like almost no combat in it it's almost entirely dialogue it's oh. all just talking to npcs and trying to solve different like riddles and find out who who did this and who did that um and then like the combat is essentially like if you were to play skyrim solely as an archer which isn't really very fun uh but that's like the whole combat system in the game but again, he built essentially an entire game in Skyrim for people to play for free. Like, I think the mod might even still be able to be downloaded. Like, it's still just like floating around out there. <laughs> like, it's nuts. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's kind of on my list. I will say those are the one mods I haven't fucked with yet. Is just because if I install all of them, I'm never going to actually play Skyrim. <laughs> no, so you my, my approach has kind of been, you know, I've got the better visuals, the better gameplay, you know, more interesting like companions and stuff to have follow me around to make it a more traditional RPG experience. And my my plan is now just have all of that, enjoy Skyrim as it is, and then maybe if I get through all of at least like the main quest lines, then start looking into like things like the Lost City, or like there's this whole dragonborn sized like piece of content that's called like Falskar that has like its own like big player area with quests and all these NPCs that are like voiced by like like actual like you know like amateur voice actors and that's like so insane yeah it, it's dude it's it's wild to me and i think that's the thing that's really surprised me is you know i've got out of all the people that are like i have following me it's like pretty much all like custom made NPCs, and then one of them is like uh, like a overhaul for Serana, the person from Dawnguard, mm. where you know it you know gives her more dialogue and that kind of stuff. And as you know, as part of that, um, someone like redubbed her voice, like a like an amateur voice actor. And even still, like I think that's the thing that's been most surprising to me is like, you know, I think of like, oh, I'm voicing, like I have my follower for Skyrim that I made has a custom voice. You know, you don't expect it to be any good, but like, holy fuck. Like <laughs> all so far out of all the people who I have followed me, there's been a single one where I'm like, oh, like this is like very clearly like, and like someone like, this is my first time trying to come up with a voice for a character sort of thing. Like, well, yeah. To, it, plus, it it do, also probably helps that a majority of the characters in Skyrim were voiced by like five different voice yeah. actors. And that was it. But, <laughs> so any like, variation probably helps. It really outstands. It but shows. It's, it's, good. <laughs> it's good, which blows my mind. And it, it just makes these like other people that are following me like that much more enjoyable to like have as like a part of that experience. I mean, they add to the story, right? Yeah, and like, yeah. like. You know, one of the, there was one moment where I literally had like a crisis and I thought one of like the custom followers was like self-aware. <laughs> what? Like, what do you mean by like, that? So like, I'm, you know, fighting some stuff, right? And like, 
it's you know early game and like with like one of the like the combat overhauls it makes combat a little more overall deadly like as far as like damage you take and like and like damage the enemies take so i'm like the the companion is this like blue khajiit called the nego uh by the way amazing follower download him if you guys get into mods for skyrim he's <laughs> he's he's so entertaining and great so fighting a bandit right and i'm like i'm low on health and there's one running up to me it's got like the power attack going and i'm like oh shit even if i block this i'm about to go down all of a sudden arrow zooms past my head hits the guy he drops to the ground and my and fucking inigo my companion goes ah, here i am inigo here to save the day and i'm like what motherfucker <laughs> what did you just say about saving my life because you actually just did that's fucking amazing yeah and i i literally like i was playing it in voice chat with some uh with some friends in my from my ff guild and i'm like oh my god i'm pretty sure this mod is self-aware because <laughs> it literally just commented about saving my life when he actually did that's crazy. Uh, that, yeah. that literally makes you feel so immersed. That's like the most <laughs> fun about the games is like when you feel like you're really there. It's like, damn, this is kind of sick. Like, yeah, and when I started getting like the more people following me around and were like fighting groups of enemies, I heard one of the other characters yell to one of the other ones, "Shoot them!" Wow. And I, I'm like, like fucking hell, like, <laughs> like. This is wild. These people are nuts. I wish I could be half as creative. <laughs> That's pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah, That's man. Like, the mod community in this game, it, the fact that, again, the game's 10 years old. Like, it's this isn't a spring chicken. This game's been around for a fucking long-ass time, and there are still new mods coming out for it. And it'll be and, probably around for even longer, too. <laughs> this game will never die. I I think it will go at least until Elder Scrolls Six comes out, and probably oh, even further beyond. Even beyond yeah. that, and like uh, the thing, like the stuff I've done is like vanilla. Like I've seen some gameplay videos where it's like, "Hey, I turned Skyrim into Dark Souls," and it's literally like panned out third person camera, lock on system, dodge rolling. <laughs> like, okay, and I'm like, that, that would be a lot of fun to play, honestly. Oh, you know, I'm like, yeah. this is nuts. And, like, here I am thinking, like, oh, my modded safe's pretty cool. I've got all these overhauls and these companions and these better visuals. And look at this. This is crazy. And then I see some guy who's playing his game, the Skyrim that looks like it should be running on the Sony PlayStation 6. <laughs> and it's, like, a fucking Dark Souls game with, like, a third-person, like, action combat system. And it's just, like, what the fuck? Like, I, I just... It feels like I've scratched the surface when it just comes to like the mods I have found that have already seemed like it's improved my experience. I, oh, I yeah, can't even never, imagine. You're never gonna get. You're never gonna get to the bottom of the well either. Like yeah. there's always gonna be stuff out coming out that is just crazier than the last. Like it's all like personal based ideas. Like if everyone's coming out with ideas, then you're never gonna run out at that point. You know, as long as yeah. there's still and people you, willing. You know. Still. And there's so many different like things that you can mod. Like that's the thing. Like you, you you can talk about just the visual mods, or you can talk about just the quest mods. You can talk about just the companion mods. You can talk about the mods that are like changing entire stats for the game. You can talk about mods that are changing or adding armor or weapons or 
different weapon classes entirely. Like there's so much game that can be tweaked in this game. Characters and creatures and like story. It's, there's it's, it's never fucking ending. endless. It's endless. That's what and it, with, it's they've made a game that's very very like I wouldn't even say easy to to modify, but they've given you this sandbox where modding like you can do pretty much anything that you would want to do in it. It's which just really is open. Really cool. They just yeah. give you a lot of options at that point. And I don't even think they realized how many options they gave to people when they first made it. They're just like, we're going to make no. it as open as possible. And, uh, well, that's the thing. They, they And honestly, Bethesda's always been really, really good at when it comes to like the modding stuff. Like I have physical copies of, um, of Morrowind on PC. And the craziest thing is like, you get the physical copies, you get like the Morrowind disc, right? And you get the expansion packs and then you have the mod tool disc. Like they gave you that with the fucking game of the year edition of Morrowind. Like they gave you the mod, like the disc where you could just fucking load it up and mod their game. That That's insane. Like no company was doing that. That's not a thing that fucking happened. And they were doing it like a decade ago. It's like, Take our shit, make it better. <laughs> That's why I feel like they're saying ninety percent of the time. Like we built this, please fix it and make it better in some way. Yeah, please fix it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, even if it doesn't fix it, it's gonna make it fun. Like there's shit out there that's gonna make the game more of what you want to play. Yeah. Like whether it be you want the game to look better or you want it to play a certain way or you might think something's broken. Somebody probably out there has tried to fix it at some point in time, which is really cool. So it's not even like, like I feel like a lot of people will never touch mods for Skyrim because either A, they're afraid to download or install anything, or B, it's just one of those things where it's it's so overwhelming and there's so much out there that they don't want to like, they don't even want to start because they don't know where to begin. But the truth of the matter is, like, once you start, you're going to download a ton of shit. Because when I got the Skyrim Special Edition on Xbox, that was the first thing I went into. Like, I was like, let's see what I got. Downloaded a mod to, like, fix the lighting. Then, like, two minutes later, I was like, hmm. I wonder if there's anything that, like, tweaks the, the like, the skill trees. There fucking was. Downloaded that. And once you start, you can't stop. You just keep fucking doing it. So I think we've uh, we've tapped this well pretty dry. What do you yeah, say, guys? I think I think that it was a it was a good talk. I definitely learned more about mods, though, for sure. I've just never actually used them myself. I usually just watch other people talk, like do stuff, and obviously it's more bizarre things. But you guys kind of like opened up a lot to to see oh, other perspectives yeah. of what it could be. And, and it not everything is Thomas the Train, all right. <laughs> Although I'm well, not complaining, not. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this game is a a classic. Like I don't think even when Elder Scrolls Six comes out, I don't think people are gonna forget about Skyrim. I mean, I, think it I still talk on to how people. Good that, Elder Scrolls Six is gonna be well. You know? Shit, I, I still talk to people about Oblivion, and they're like, Oblivion's the best one. I'm like, you're out your goddamn mind. Like, like Skyrim is a pretty definitive like as far as the elder scrolls games are concerned skyrim did most of the things right and the shit that it didn't do right 
it did just different than the other games. So it's not like it's worse. It's just not it's not exactly the same. I'm saying um, personally, like I think uh like I mean, so think about how much we've talked about Skyrim in general. Like uh, especially compared to like all the older games and how much has changed and what they did better that made it even stick around for so so long. Now mm-hmm. imagine this but it's just the same step that's just going even further in Elder Scrolls 6 when they make it even more insane, which gives even more possibilities, which is just going to be like, well, hopefully, you know, we can always hope for the better. Yeah, we can, we yeah. can hope. But like, there's, there's no guarantee. Yeah, there's guarantee no guarantee, because especially with games coming out nowadays, you know, everybody's got to have, you know, rush this, rush that, unfinish this, unfinish that, blah, blah. But hopefully... You know, it will be another reiteration of this, which would just encourage the game to start living even past its prime again. And, uh, yeah. you know, who knows what crazy, like, barriers are going to break with this next one. It's going to make it even more intense than Skyrim, you know? Yeah. But even, it, like, you have to think, there are still people out there that think Morrowind's the better game. And they're still modding Morrowind. So... There's always going to be those people that think Skyrim's going to be the best, even if Elder Scrolls Six Dude, is. Dude, Morrowind has um has like a an open source multiplayer, like you can literally yeah, just yeah, sit down thing. and play Morrowind start I, to finish, completely multiplayer with no issues. I like, wish that's they insane added, to me. I know they added mods for multiplayer for Skyrim, but I wish Skyrim was multiplayer sometimes so badly, like just the base game. Mm. I mean, they've they've tried to do a lot of shit that like, like I remember they were trying to build Morrowind in Skyrim for like the longest time, so it was like always people working on crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. So I like I wouldn't put it past them at some point to get it in there. The but that's a lot of work. You have to remember Skyrim is a very big game and like it's a very single player game orientated kind of. Yeah, that's the problem with netcode is not really meant to be. Like you have to think it would have to be like peer to peer, for the most part, because um, there's no dedicated servers or anything for it. So yeah. you you it's entirely based on like the netcode that would be used to just go peer to peer. And then like, what if like one person was in White Run, the other person was in fucking River Run or something like that? You Opening know? doors, doing quests, picking up items. You know, it, exactly. It's there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. But I mean, if they did it in Morrowind, like. Been, um, Who knows? There's been multiplayer for Skyrim that actually I think is pretty functional. It's called there, Skyrim Gather. Yeah, there there is, but it's like it's also still in the works from what I've heard because there's yeah. some there's still quite a few bugs in it. Um, but I've seen some videos of people trying it out and like zooming around the map. I've seen like runs where like one dude's like doing a challenge of who he can kill, and all his friends are trying to zoom around the map to try and stop him at the same time and. Uh, it it does crash. There are some issues, but you know it's in the progress, and it looks a lot of fun still, even though it's not finished entirely. Yeah. Well. All right. Um. Okay. Cool. Is there anything you guys uh want to want to say to the people listening? If there's any anything you're doing, streaming, or if you're posting anything anywhere? Not not exactly. I mean, I still haven't gotten my like a. Like into the, I guess the the time frame to do streaming again between like the five D and D games I play a week now. <laughs> but um, D and D, I've been I've been trying to do a session tomorrow. 
I guess to just pose this to you guys, because I know you said like we tapped the well, but I still feel like there's a lot to talk about. And I know Logan was saying he has that whole list of topics. Oh, I'm always um, hyped for lore, bro. Always. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite second, thing in every Our game. second Skyrim episode, I think, is definitely going to have to be something that happens. I wanna, oh, I wanna, for sure. I want to make a second one talking about lore. That would be amazing. I would love. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but everything, every time I dive into a game, lore is like so important, <laughs> especially big games. I fell into Warhammer recently. That was insane. All the scroll elder, uh, or not elder, ugh, I'm getting all mixed up. All the Souls like games, lore is so great. Just like, there's, there's a lot of games that I like that stuff. Guilty Gear lore, even though it's a fighting game, insane lore. I love that stuff. Oh yeah, trust me. There's this is not going to be the last Skyrim podcast. Yeah. For one, I know for a fact that Steve wants to do uh, a, a episode on Skyrim. Um, I think my friend Harrison wants to do an episode, and I also do want to go do a deep li- a deep dive into lore, specifically like main storyline lore. But on top of that, um, some of the crazy backstories to some of like the. Uh, the Daedric Princes, and on top of that, the like each guild, because each guild actually has like an insane amount of lore behind it and how it's like actually created. Um, like the Companion Skyforge, that's like a whole fucking thing. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah, oh man. The crazy. actual like the actual forming of the Dark Brotherhood. There's actually like a few inconsistencies between games so nobody knows how it was exactly formed but there's a lot to get into when it comes to that yeah and uh yeah i don't know uh dave i might go back to streaming who knows i might i might, might, start, stream. might start streaming just here and there so uh it's good I'll, it's yeah. fun times yeah. if i had time to do it i would i would definitely still be streaming oh, man. but it's one of those things where it's just this is not enough time in the day it's I'm not sure enough that. time episodes for episodes let's say you know uh do you have one that's going to be coming up next after this david uh yeah so i'm recording what am i recording so tomorrow i think i'm recording a mega man x episode uh what are we doing on friday oh shit oh we were doing the neo are you um, doing a pso one we're doing a uh, the pso one's definitely coming uh bond i want to say friday greg and i are doing the uh neo slash stranger of paradise mix match review like kind of like we'll we'll say comparison of those games because they're both team ninja games are they are i think that neo is a lot more different than stranger though oh no 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 those the similarities between those two games are really deep. No, I mean like I've played really. I've played them both, but when it, yeah. I feel like are you sure? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like they're... Okay. Both are, are completely stage oriented. Both yeah. are very souls like. The only difference I will state I between the two of is them is pretty different with teams. Like you have your two teammates and then you have to all The teams make it different, and, yeah. but that the base of the combat's very similar. Like how combat works is like similar. It's like I feel like so in Neo you switch stances to do combos, but in like Stranger of Paradise you switch entire classes to do like. That's what makes things. it a little bit different. But overall, the 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 core aspects of those games are the same, and I really want to get into why it works for Neo and does not work for Stranger of Paradise. Stranger of Paradise is just, I just like how funny it is. <laughs> 
I love it. It is pretty. It is pretty meme worthy. That's for damn sure. But so but yeah. I would I would be totally be down to do a, a Pokemon episode at some point still. That game would be fun to review. Um and then oh, obviously yeah. Elden Ring at some point, anytime. Or or I don't know if that that would probably be multi part as well. You know, because most likely because so I every it's one of those games where everybody's experience in Elden Ring is is gonna be different. I would also say because there's just so much content. Because if you talk about Elden Ring, you have to talk about Dark Souls. You talked about Dark Souls. You have to talk about like blah blah blah. It keeps going, you know, like Sekiro, Bloodborne. Everything's just gonna you, keep coming. Yeah, you can do comparisons between those games, obviously, but it's not like you know you don't have to go super super deep. Yeah. No, I'm just saying Elden Ring's for you know to spill. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, I definitely want to do an Elden Ring one too, because like Elden Ring, I've been talking about that game a lot recently. I have a lot of shit to say about that. Yeah. Game of the year. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree it's a game of the year. <laughs> you would. Of course I would. Uh, all right. So uh, this is where we're going to end it. And uh, I'm going to uh, get try to get five hours of sleep before my son wakes up, if that's even possible. Let's go. Uh, but for those of you who made it through this super long podcast, uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on your podcast um, app of choice, if you would. If you want to see uh, the visuals for what we're talking about, you can watch this on YouTube probably a day after this post. Hopefully, if I can figure out how to edit a two or three hour video without my computer crashing. But yeah, um, thanks for joining us. Hope to see you guys again next week and uh, have a good one. Later, folks.